0: Guys, Thursday, May 4th, and welcome to another episode of Triggered. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. If you can, like, share these videos so other people can see it, so it stays up high in the algorithm. Give it a like, pass it on to your friends, make sure they do it. This episode is going to be cool because we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to have... Founder, the founder of Bitboy Crypto, Ben Armstrong, in. We're going to learn about all things crypto. People want to understand it. Not an easy one to break into. And you have someone that's literally one of the earliest adapters out there. Someone who was on the inside of the collapse of FTX, calling it out, wondering what was going on. Someone who saw that coming. So I think you'll learn a lot. I think you'll really like it. I think it's a different approach. I think it's something that a lot of The guys that follow me libertarian and conservative, want to understand cryptocurrencies and everything. So I think this will be a really cool one. Ben Armstrong, awesome dude, uh, very outspoken, very loud and vocal, my kind of guy. I think you'll learn a lot. And I think it'll be a really cool episode to figure out something that's probably perhaps a little bit out of the scope of everything that we do here on a daily basis. So I think you'll like it. But before we get that, we got to get to a developing story from the Republican Congress. Okay. According to the House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer and Senator Chuck Grassley a whistleblower. A whistleblower. Now the Democrats love whistleblowers. I have a feeling they're not going to like this one. When it's a whistleblower to the stuff that the Democrats are doing magically, they are not the most special people in the world. It's only when it's a whistleblower against conservatives, against Donald Trump, that they are to be loved. They are to be protected. They are beyond reproach. But These guys, James Comer and Senator Chuck Grassley, have a whistleblower alleging that the FBI and the Justice Department have a document that describes a criminal scheme involving then Vice President Joe Biden and a foreign national relating to the exchange of money for policy decisions. I am shocked, folks. I am shocked. So in other words, they have evidence of a bribe and more corruption from Joe Biden. I cannot believe it. I thought he was angelic. I thought that Hunter Biden got a billion-dollar investment from a Chinese state-controlled, essentially, entity. Uh, I thought a billion dollars, right? Like, to a crackhead. Yes, China does a lot of investing with crackheads. Russian oligarchs, Ukrainian oil companies all had him on the payroll because of the value that he brings, right? Right? A crack addict, drug addict, serial sicko. Uh, Yes, they had him on the payroll because of the expertise that he brought. Not, not corruption. There's no way they would trade that, his employment, money, etc. for policy decisions and influence in Washington, D.C. That would never happen because, of course, that's what's been happening, folks. Like there's literally no other explanation that Hunter Biden would get any of these things, right? It's insane. So add that to what we already know about the IRS whistleblower who says the investigation into Hunter is being plagued by interference and bias to protect the Biden family. Now, maybe they'll do something about the tax stuff to hide the bigger picture, but I think we're getting to the bigger picture now. I'll i bet, I'll bet you guys a lot, they'll do a little something on the little things to make the bigger stuff go away, but we got to make sure we see this all the way through for each and every one of the things that's happening. Of course, this corruption has been staring us right in the face, but the media, as usual, big tech, big social, etc., they continue to deny reality. Or they know it's the truth, but they also know they control all the methods for you to actually see it, for the American people to realize what's going on. That's why programs like this, a couple others, ...are important because we'll actually talk about these things to large audiences. Again, why you need a like, share, all this stuff so other people can see it. Guys, the delusions hitting us right in the face. They're trying to make this stuff go away and pretend it's not happening because it's disgusting that it is. And now you have yet another whistleblower talking about it. Guys, the delusions, as we've discussed, are disgusting... And they want them to go away. They pretend that they're not real. But just look at this next story about gas stoves in New York State. Remember just a few months ago when liberals got on their soapboxes after stuff leaked about them wanting to ban gas stoves. And they were telling you that you're crazy to think they're going to ban gas stoves. Even though the Biden administration made it clear that they wanted to do just that. Just so we can take a little trip down memory lane. Let's watch... MSNBC's resident shrill host, Stephanie Rule mock, mock you or me for concerns about the plans to ban gas stoves. Apparently, and according to this MSDNC expert, it's all a lie. She tells us very clearly. Watch.
1: The Consumer Product Safety Commission is deciding on whether to ban gas stoves totally because of safety. Safety? (laughs) And' have these stoves for over 100 years. It's totally fine to give fentanyl to addicts, but a gas stove is a threat to your life? Right. So naturally, they decided gas-powered stoves, racist, and have to go. First Lady Joe Biden getting roasted online for this photo of her cooking on the very thing that the administration uh, was looking to you pay. You can't make that up. No, you can make stuff up. And that's what they're doing there all day long. So the
0: last thing before we go tonight, all about gaslighting. If you watched Fox News in the last 24 hours, you might think that the U.S. government is coming for your gas
2: stove. That is a new and absolutely ridiculous one. So for fact's sake,
0: let's get to the bottom. Remember, folks, you're nuts to think that they want to come for your gas stoves, right? Just like you're nuts to think they don't want to come for your guns, right? No, 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 they just want to, you know, we just want to get rid of, you know, the pistol brace then maybe, maybe AR-15s, then you're a hunting shotgun, then everything, okay? It's always a death by a thousand cuts. They tell you, yeah, that's not really happening, we don't really wanna do that, then they get the little win, they get another little win, they get another little win, and one day you're gonna wake up with no rights whatsoever, right? You're nuts to think they're gonna come after your gas stove. This isn't happening, folks, no way. But actually it is. New York just became the first state to ban natural gas stoves. And within the next seven years, new buildings will need to have all electric cooking. Gas stoves will not be allowed. Watch.
1: Well, we just like we had to go from dec- you know long time ago can transition from coal as your energy source. We do yeah. have to
2: transition.
0: There are clean energy alternatives. It's going to take time. And I want to make sure that New Yorkers Don't get hit hard for the cost, so we're going to roll this out. But new buildings that are going up, they can can go electric, they can do heat pumps. This is how you transition. Okay, remember, this was all a figment of your imagination, but it's not. It just happened a few weeks later, right? All the conspiracy theories always tend to come true, right? This is what they're doing. Now, of course, we don't have the ability to get rid of natural gas because our power grid isn't strong enough. We don't want to use nuclear. We don't want to do that. Well, they're going to just magically make it up with solar and wind. Solar's been the next big thing for the last 35 years, but they got it this time, folks. Wind is killing whales and all sorts of stuff, creating disasters, killing birds all over the place. But, you know, when you really need electricity, what's missing? Usually wind, when it's really hot and you're really stressing the grid... That's what's missing. This is a classic liberal tactic. They deny something that is happening, and then they celebrate it when it happens. They shout, oh, no, 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 for example, right? Schools aren't teaching critical race theory. They would never do that. It has nothing to do with the curriculum. But when Republicans then try to ban critical race theory from the classrooms, liberals say that teaching that white people are racist is a must- it is a must in every curriculum. They can't help themselves, folks. Liberals are dishonest. Okay, They're dishonest snakes, and they'll keep doing this. Okay. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, speaking of dishonesty, his weakness has led to two separate oil tankers being seized by Iran in the past week. Iran, the world's Leading state sponsor of terror, someone that we don't want to do business with, but now we actually have to get oil and gas from because we stopped producing it ourselves because Joe Biden's an idiot and he doesn't mind getting rid of American energy independence, clearly doesn't mind crushing good, hard-working American jobs and labor. Certainly not the national security benefits that come along with being energy independent. Certainly not helping gas prices, right? Another conspiracy theory. We're not trying to destroy that, but we're going to Iran for that. But Iran is now capturing foreign vessels. They did so on Wednesday. This is the second ship that's been captured by Iran in a week. The Niovi, an oil tanker flying a Panamanian flag, was passing through the Straits of Hormuz when it was overtaken by Iran's navy. Check it out. Guys, another seizure happened last week off the Marshall Islands where a flagged uh, oil tanker, the tanker advantage suite, was leaving Kuwait en route to Houston. There's a dramatic video of Iranian troops repelling from a helicopter onto the vessel. Okay, remember when President Trump like was in charge, you notice how this stuff didn't happen because we exhibited peace through strength. We were not to be trifled with. People didn't mess with America because they knew we had resolve. We had spirit. We had guts. We had everything that's missing from Joe Biden and the Democrat agenda. Okay, when Iran was thinking of attacking US soldiers, we took out their top general with a missile through the face. Okay, Biden on the other hand is so weak that Iran, Iran, again, the world's leading state sponsor of terror, feels so emboldened as to engage in piracy. They don't even care because they look at Joe Biden and it just encourages their aggression. Right. That's the nature of nature of predation, folks. You see weakness in nature and they prey on it. Right. That's what wolves do. That's what hyenas do, jackals, when they see weakling, weaklings like Joe Biden, they attack, they pounce. We are putting this on ourselves by having weak and incompetent leaders. Okay, everything about this administration is weak and everything is inept. They can't even explain how their $50 (laughs) trillion—you can't even make this stuff up. Climate plan will reduce global warming. Just watch this grilling from Senator John Kennedy against a Biden official on Capitol Hill this week.
1: Percent of global emissions.
0: Yeah, but if you could
1: answer my question, if we spend $50 trillion to become carbon neutral in the United States of America by 2050— you're the deputy secretary of energy give me your estimate of how much that is going to reduce world temperatures so so first of all it's a net cost um, it's what uh, benefits we're having from getting our act together and reducing all of those climate benefits we're how, seeing let me ask again maybe i'm being right now maybe i'm not being clear if we spent 50 trillion dollars to become carbon neutral by 2050 in the United States of America how how much is that going to reduce world temperatures? This is a global problem, so we need to reduce our emissions and we need to do everything we can. How much to, if we do our part countries. is it going to reduce so world So we're temperatures? Per, we're 13% of global emissions. You don't right know, now. do you? You don't know, do you? You can do the math. We need to You don't know, do you, Mr. Secretary? So we're 13% of if global you know, emissions. If you know, we why won't you tell me? To, if we went to zero, that would be 13%. You of don't the know, situation. do you? You just want us to spend $50 trillion dollars and you don't have the slightest idea whether it's gonna reduce world temperatures. Guys, the point of these
0: Green New Deal plans has nothing to do with helping the planet, okay? If they wanted to help the planet, they wouldn't support willed mills, again, that are killing whales, or electric vehicles that require extensive mining in China or Africa by slave labor in let's just call it slightly less than environmental conditions, right? Far worse than if we were drilling in America under our regulations with actual environmental oversight. No, 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 it's done by child slave labor in third world countries under totally non-humanitarian conditions. And that doesn't matter, right? The point of the Green New Deal initiatives is to funnel money from taxpayers like yourselves to left wing nonprofits and to decrease the quality of your life while making them rich and giving them power. There's nothing else to it, folks, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And, guys, there's another big issue that we need to talk about more artificial intelligence. Jeffrey Hinton, also known as the, quote, sort of godfather of AI, artificial intelligence. He recently quit his job at Google over concerns about the risks associated with artificial intelligence. He says, and I quote, it's hard to see how you can prevent the bad actors from using it for bad things. He told that to The New York Times. AI has grown very powerful in just the past few years. Most of us are finding out about it just in the last few months, okay? But it's hard to imagine bad actors not manipulating now. The problem, obviously, is if America stops doing it, you think the Chinese will? No, they're going to keep going. So there's a little bit of a catch-22 in all of this. But AI has grown very powerful in the last few years. You can have ChatGBT now write a convincing episode of Seinfeld in a matter of seconds. What will it be capable of in a couple of years? Dr. Hinton noted that he used to think that the idea that AI will be smarter than people would be way off. But obviously, he no longer thinks that. I mean, think of the jobs that were replaced. Maybe they could replace the media real quickly just running off some nonsense because anyone can do a better job than what our media does, so maybe they're going to have to learn to code. But I think Elon Musk used the analogy, you know, when we build a highway, right, and there's an ant colony in the way, there could be a billion ants there. But, like, they're ants, right? We don't really think about it. We're not going to move the road to get around the ants. We're just going to build right over it. Imagine... For a second, if you will, that we're the ants and AI is in charge. What's going to happen? It's not that far off. Okay? You've seen the advances literally in the last few weeks and the last few months. It's so exponential. What will it be able to do in years? And when do we become obsolete? I think we've seen this movie before, folks. It's called The Terminator. (laughs) Doesn't work out well, but man. It feels like we could definitely be in the way in the not too distant future. But unfortunately, as long as our enemies are going to be using it, which they will, we probably also still have to be prepared. So we have to find that happy medium to make sure we can take care of ourselves, that we don't get subjugated to the Chinese, who are definitely going to be running with AI full bore to take over the world. And now finally, guys, in shocking, shocking medical news, you're going to want to sit down for this because it's scary. The geniuses at Harvard Medical School figured out that men are at risk of prostate cancer. The headlines this week from health.harvard.edu says prostate cancer in transgender women. What do we know about the risk? A new paper investigates. Guys, It's amazing that Harvard researchers need to conduct studies to come to the conclusion that men are at risk of prostate cancer. Women are not, because I don't believe they have a prostate. Now, I am not a doctor, but apparently I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night, so I understand basic biology. I wonder what these geniuses will come up with next. If we keep lying to ourselves, if we keep pretending that biological men are magically women, we too can waste millions in research dollars, spend and divert time and energy that could be used towards maybe actually curing prostate cancer or perhaps breast cancer or ovarian cancer in women, which perhaps I had imagined that even trans women also don't get. Now, again, I am not a genius Harvard Medical School doctor, but I believe that biological men who identify as women and call themselves women are probably not at risk of ovarian cancer. Now, my only my only evidence of this, and again, I'm going out there on a limb, I'm risking it, making scientific conclusions, hypotheses based on what I know, but my only evidence of that is that Biological men don't have ovaries. Shocking. Shocking, folks. What will these brilliant minds come up with next? All right. So, well, kidding aside, and we're not really kidding, uh, before I get to Ben Armstrong, I want to make sure to thank our brave sponsors. Because, again, even if I am out there calling the idiots at Harvard Medical School idiots for thinking that somehow calling yourself a woman, even if you're a biological male, would avert the risk of prostate cancer, or if you're a biological uh, male that thinks they're female, that you would maybe uh, not have to worry about ovarian cancer. I understand there's some risks associated with that, even though at any other point in our history, that would be totally common sense and 100% logical. So I do wanna make sure we thank our brave sponsors Number one, Gold Co. guys, we see the decisions that are being made. You see how disastrous they are. We understand gold and silver can help protect your retirement savings from inflation, dollar devaluation, uh, forced ESG uh, from your re- retirement account managers, all of that nonsense. I just want you to be prepared I also want you to support the companies who support you instead of supporting the woke companies that hate you. So go check out the folks at Co. by going to DonJuniorGold.com. That's D-O-N-J-R, gold.com. Learn how to protect your retirement savings. Again, guys, in the last month, we've seen like three major banks collapse, right? We see the volatility at a stock market. We see interest rates and inflation going through the roof. It is not a promising Prospect, right? Pay attention. Protect yourselves. Okay? Just hear them out. You don't have to do anything, just hear them out. Go to Don junior D-O-N-J-R-Gold.com and learn from yourself about what to do to protect yourself, your retirement savings, your family's well-being. Just hear them out. You don't have to do anything. If you think you may want to diversify a little bit, if you think you may want a hedge, probably a good idea. Again. DonJuniorGold.com. Also, check out the folks at Patriot Mobile. Okay, these guys are friends of mine. These are guys that literally have funded some of the anti-woke stuff in their area in Dallas, Fort Worth, in that area where they are based. They literally funded some of the, uh, the school board votes to be able to get conservative parents who represent, like, the average area in the district— On their local school boards and overthrow the radical leftists. They've been attacked by the big, you know, media guys as being radical for doing that. So check out Patriot Mobile, guys. You're going to have a cell phone in your pocket, okay? You're going to have one. You might as well do it and give it to a company that supports what you believe in and a company that puts their money where their mouth is. A company that gives back to the causes that we believe in. Protecting the First Amendment, protecting the Second Amendment, our brave first responders, they do this sort of stuff. They Again, they were funding these school board battles to make sure that the kids in their area, and I'm sure they'll do it elsewhere, aren't indoctrinated with the woke nonsense. So go check out Patriot Mobile for free activation Go to patriotmobile.com slash Don Junior. D-O-N-J-R. That's patriotmobile.com slash Don Junior. Okay? You're gonna get free activation with that. But again, you're going to have a cell phone. Have a cell phone with a company that gives you the same services as the other providers, but cares about you, shares your values, and give back to the causes that you actually believe in. So check out patriotmobile.com slash John Jr. now we're going to go to Ben Armstrong, and we're going to learn about crypto. It's going to be awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Guys, Welcome to another episode of Trigger. This one's going to be fun because we have Ben Armstrong, uh, sort of real early, early adapter crypto guy, uh, talking about... Everything that is crypto. I mean, this is going to be a little bit of a tutorial, getting people to up to speed. I'm sure we'll go plenty of places. I, I don't even want this one to be political, but yeah. the nature of it is is because government is cracking down <laughs> yes. so hard on anything that you know puts a threat to the sort of hegemony they've had over currency and the control associated therewith. So Ben is the founder of BitBoyCrypto.com, uh, started investing in Bitcoin in 2012. Yeah, 2012. I mean... Before probably anyone had even heard of crypto yeah. uh, and Bitcoin, so tell us a little bit about that. Ben, I mean, sure. You know, I'm going to assume plenty of the people watching, just given the nature of sort of the you know, conservative slash libertarian crowd, probably has an understanding. But there's probably a lot of people that are that have no idea. Yeah. Uh, they they see the pitfalls in the media, but I think they're also watching this because they're rightfully skeptical of the yeah. media and the narrative that turns out to never be accurate, but serves its purpose at the time. Right. Well, I think
2: one thing is what I try to do is I try to show people the truth. Like, I try to get outside of the media narratives because at this point, if you don't understand that everything the media is telling you is wrong, then you don't have a brain. And I would assume all the people watching you right now, they have a brain and they can see what's happening. Um, You know, there has been a a lot of backlash against crypto. Mm -hmm. And I think when you go back to uh, 2012, when, when I first got into Bitcoin, Uh, A lot of people that were getting in at that time, they were using what was called Silk Road. Silk Road was uh, an anonymous drug marketplace. Now, I got into it, not through that, (laughs) but uh, Mm -hmm. through uh, uh, having to buy Bitcoin to purchase a software that I needed. Uh, And a guy who owned the software I used for Craigslist, posting ads, I used to have a ticket business, Mm -hmm. and that's what I did. Uh, He got sued, and he couldn't come to America to answer the the charge because he's from Ukraine, and they shut his payment processors down. And so he had to try to figure out some other way to get paid, and so that's how I got into it. And I think the Silk Road narrative for Bitcoin, where people were buying drugs—you know, somebody was, you know,
0: thirty bitcoins for some shrooms—they got to feel real dumb right now. Um, yeah, I mean, you hear about those transactions. You know, yeah. it was like I saw something. It was like you know, a thousand bitcoins for a pizza. Ten thousand. Ten thousand. Was it? 10, it? 10, yeah, that's right. Ten thousand. two Papa, John- yeah, two Papa, yeah, Papa John's. Yeah, and so even at today. Yeah. Even today, where were you? About eighteen thousand. Uh, no, back oh, 30, no, we're, back we're back up to thirty. 30 right? We're back up to Right, so we like got down to eighteen, and yeah. we're probably about twenty-eight, thirty. Yeah. Uh, still a big deal. Certainly, yeah. certainly a big deal relative to seventy-five, which would have been a peak, right? Seventy-five thousand. Yeah, it's yeah. a so, lot
2: of get a lot of pizza for
0: that. A lot of pizza. A lot of pizza for that. Uh, but
2: uh, you know, a lot of people don't know the guy Laszlo, who was the guy that spent that, that was the first Bitcoin transaction uh, to pay for a service or a good uh, was the the Bitcoin pizzas. They're from mm-hmm. Papa John's, two pepperonis, ten thousand Bitcoin. Uh, you know, he, but he's doing okay. That guy Lazlo- I'm sure he had plenty he, of other Bitcoin, He had Bitcoin, plenty of yeah. other Bitcoin. I think people, it's not one of those sad stories yeah. about people that were mining Bitcoin early on and uh, you know, lost their keys or whatever the case may be and trying to like, uh, guys paying $150,000 to have somebody come excavate the landfill to try to find- well, yeah, I mean, that's
0: one of the things, right? Yeah. For, for the average person, if they want to invest in that, if they're looking and they're scared of what's going on in the economy right uh, now, uh-huh. and, you know, that is intimidating, right? I mean, sure. I see it myself. I'm a real estate guy, so I sort of, I've always done better investing in things that I fundamentally know really well, yeah. as opposed to speculating, right? So when people see those articles, you know, guy has a, you know, he's got his hard drive, it's right here in his desk, yeah. but he forgot his password, and he has $220 million yes. in it. And like, one more attempt. Yeah. like. Man, that's, that's intimidating no, for a lot of people. yeah, I understand that,
2: but when you look at the Bitcoin supply, so Bitcoin supply, the total ever is going to be 21 million. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin mining is how you bring those into the supply. The last Bitcoin will not be mined until 2140, so about seventeen years uh, from now. Now, Bitcoin mining has gotten to a place where it's very highly sophisticated and, and things like that, but it's not like people today are just going to have $220 million that they can't find. Four million Bitcoin is the approximate number that is in the total supply. That's, I think about 19.6 million, somewhere around there right now. But yet it'll never be moved because it's lost. So, but those are all people that were mining Bitcoin very early on. Uh, And so they were doing it with a laptop and it's not like they had a lot of
0: money into it. It's just, they probably forgot about it, you know? Yeah, or they accumulated something from from nothing, right? I mean, like you said, you you got 10,000 Bitcoin for a pizza today, that's worth, hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, depending on how you, yeah, easily hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes. Now, so with that though, I mean, you obviously have sort of actually having the Bitcoin on it, like a hard disk or whatever it mm. may be, and you have it sort of owning it through an exchange. Yeah. You know, talk about the differences for the sure. average people that are, again, looking to speculate. Because you look yeah. at the stock market today, I mean, everything seems like it's pretty risky. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at what
2: happened with First Republic Bank. Uh, you know, one of the biggest red candles we've ever seen in history, right? Yeah. The, the bank stocks are, are, are failing. Uh, stocks everywhere are, you know, not across every sector, but especially in the banking sector, uh, very questionable. But the thing is, is that, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, storage, mm-hmm. we call it custodianship. And we've got a phrase, not your keys, not your crypto. And that's a very important phrase for people to understand because when people first get in, they're, they're going to come in through an exchange, was like Coinbase or right. Robinhood, uh, something like that. And they're going to buy it, and they're just going to let it sit on that exchange. Well, what we've seen is, through the FTX debacle, the Celsius debacle, that if these exchanges go down, you lose your money. It's not really yours. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, like, on Coinbase, you can send it off of Coinbase. And so you own it from that perspective. But if it's still on Coinbase and Coinbase were to go down, then you're in trouble. So we have a couple different ways you can custody your Bitcoin. Uh, Basically, there's a really archaic way called paper Bitcoins. Uh, or pay, excuse me, paper wallets, where it's just a QR code on a piece of paper and that's how you access your wallet.
0: But it's still protected, I guess, through the blockchain. So that is your QR code yeah, unless someone
2: else right. can scan it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it, you want to keep that thing under, you know, super, super, uh, you know, watchful <laughs> yeah. eye.
0: It's like, it's like Dumb and Dumber. Like that, that, that IOU, that's the oh, you, yeah, You're going to want to hold on to that one.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I love that movie when I was a kid. It was one of my <laughs> favorite movie. One of the best. Yeah, but uh, you know, we have, well, we, have cold storage, and then we have, um, you know, hot wallets, Mm -hmm. right? Cold storage is a device. So it's a USB. Uh, Ledger is one of the most popular ones. Ledger and Trezor. And what happens is, is when it's plugged into your device or plugged into your computer, you're active on the blockchain and you can move the crypto around. As soon as you unplug it, it's called cold storage because it's frozen. Like, nobody can touch that, you can't move it,
0: you gotta reconnect it again. So, cutting off the connection to the internet, that's what we call cold storage. And so that's not necessarily password protected. Cause I, I mean, I mean, I think some, one of the people, I, you know, people I talk to every day, they're like, well listen, I'd probably, I'd probably give it a chance at some of these numbers, or you, even, yeah. Yeah, cause you can do fraction, fractional Bitcoin, For right? Course. You don't have to yeah. buy $30,000 no. worth, you can buy $1,000 worth, $10 worth. worth. Yeah. Uh, but, everyone I know has problems with their password. No one wants to use sort of the, you know, the Microsoft Authenticators and yeah. all I, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, by the time you remember the password of that and you get the password of the password of the password, no one knows what the hell's going on. So well, that is literally just, it's almost like just cash, but unpassword protected. You plug it in and you're on and you're... Well,
2: you still have to have, you, you have a password for your device, uh, but it's much simpler than the complicated private keys. Mm-hmm. So for your device, you basically would have, um, I believe it's an eight digit, I haven't touched mine in a while, it's all in cold storage. Yep. Uh, you know, I think it's an eight digit number that you, you got to put in, and it kind of like on your phone, right? Yep. You have a four or six digit number. This is an eight digit number, and it, it will unlock the device, and then you can get in and you can move stuff around. Um, Ledger has a, a platform called Ledger Live, which is where you would actually move, um, go into the system of Ledger to move your crypto around through your Ledger. So. It's not quite the same thing as cash, <laughs> yeah. but, um, you know, we also have hot wallets. Like, hot wallets are apps or desktop platforms that are connected to the internet, mm-hmm. they stay connected to the internet, uh, and you own your private keys for that. So, uh, trust wallet, Coinbase wallet, is important for people to understand, like,
0: Coinbase— Yeah, but that's
2: like, that's like having an, a banking app on your phone, essentially, right? I mean— No, 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 it's not, actually. Okay. It's not, because having Coinbase on your phone, that is like having a banking app. Okay having Coinbase Wallet is a different app. is not the same thing. Interesting. And so with the Coinbase Wallet, you own your private keys. And so Coinbase can't come in and
0: touch your crypto. On the Coinbase app itself, mm-hmm. they can. And, um, and they're trading, they're functioning like a bank. I mean, using, oh yeah, uh, for sure. just taking those reserve currencies, uh, putting a multiple on it and, yeah. and speculating. I mean, and they're basically gambling with your money as the backup, just like the banking system is. And that's why absolutely. we're seeing a yeah. collapse like Credit Suisse. Like Silicon Valley Bank, it's a mess. Uh, all in the last couple Sign- weeks. signature bank. Signature, yeah. that, that was my bank. That's why I banked <laughs> with. Uh, that was my answer to uh, when uh,
2: BB&T before they became Truist. Uh, they closed all my accounts back in 2020. I've been with them for 20 years uh, because of crypto. And so I, I did a, a Coinbase wire from Coinbase. I bought a house. It was like 150 thousand dollars, and I transferred it. It all went okay. And then
0: three months later, they closed all my accounts. So why, why attack you for doing that? I mean, I, and I've dealt with this, you know, people who watch this show understand, you know, I dealt with it last month where I, I had a, literally a news aggregation app called MXM News, where you yeah. just take all of the news, aggregate it, not, not creating news, yeah. not making fake news, but allowing people to see everything. And we had PNC Bank just well, they sent us a cashier check. We yeah. didn't even know it. My partner in deal looked at our operating account to see, you know, just the business operating account. And it was like, we had like, you know, 750 grand in there yeah. to run the business. And he goes, there's nothing in the account. I'm like, well, that's a problem that we get hacked yeah. or whatever it was. And that was conventional banking. Turns out we call them, oh no, we just don't want to do business with you anymore. Uh-huh. And like, they didn't yeah. even, you know, they broke us, broke up with us without even telling us. Yeah. Uh, and so they did that because they viewed the crypto that you were doing as a threat. Uh, what was, the, what was the precipice for that? Yeah, well, they wanted to know where every single
2: dollar came from. But basically, they asked us for like super unrealistic expectations of what we can provide. And then we were told our account was going to be frozen until we were able to provide that much down the road. And they told you it was going to take three, six months. That was our business account we were paying employees out of. Yeah. And so um, what, what you learn is is that this banking system is a joke. It's an yeah. absolute joke. Uh, When you look at the world banking, like, one of my favorite numbers uh, that came out over the last two months is that in the entire world banking system, there's supposed to be $22 trillion worth of money in the banks. Do you know how much is actually in the banks? It's significantly less than that. 1%. $220 billion. Yeah, so they're leveraging 100x. 100x, absolutely, and that's very dangerous. I may do it sometimes, but it's very dangerous. Um, But, yeah, so the banking system was a joke, and... uh, I don't have an answer. They never gave us an answer for exactly why it was. But I can tell you, I then went to a credit union. And I, I have a credit union account. Um, and I was like, well, you know, let's move the business account here. So I went to the credit union. Uh, they denied me because my
0: email address had crypto in it. So even, I mean, and I think most people think of credit unions much less leveraged. Yeah. Much less risky. So almost many one-to-one, really. Yeah. Uh, and even they had a problem with oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it, it's just one of
2: these things where, you know, Everybody that's in the banking system that's powerful—they see what's
0: coming. They understand. Like, crypto is a better system. Well, they're fighting for their lives, right? Absolutely. You you see, and that's the problem I think so many of our viewers are facing, which is they love the idea of crypto. They love the sort of, you know, the well, I guess it depends on how you want to view it, right? Transparency or lack thereof. So yeah. not everyone's looking into all of your business. And yet you see as government starting to talk about their own digital crypto, yeah. their, their own digital currencies and, and all of this, it's like all of the things that made mm-hmm. it unique and appealing to people like yourself, uh, people like myself, although it's clear, like I'm, I'm a total noob, <laughs> uh, you know, when it comes to this, but but again, I'm interested. It's just, yeah. I, got, I got to learn the game. And I think so many people, you know, need that primer to kind yeah. of figure out exactly what's going on. but it feels like everything that the government now is doing to insert themselves is actually pulling all of the things that would actually make it attractive to the people for all the obvious reasons.
2: Well, not necessarily. Um, because when you look at uh, CBDCs, uh, Central Bank Digital Currencies, and I would say, I'm gonna shamelessly plug my book, Catching Up to Crypto, yeah. that we wrote that book to be the primer for people. Yeah. It's a very simple read. It's only like 150, 170 pages worth of content. Uh, Audio books are be coming out next month. and. I'm not saying that show my book. I'm just saying this is the reason this was written is because I'm in my second decade in crypto now. I'm in my 11th year of crypto. And so I was able to take my experience from everything I've been through uh, and be able to apply that to the audience. It's got great reviews. And so if anybody's looking for a good place to start, like, that's when we wrote the book to say this is where you start. Get it at the usual suspects?
0: Yeah, of course. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Uh the whole thing.
2: Wiley Publishing was our publishing company. The, you know, top financial publishing company in the world. So, um, real excited about that. But... Go back to your question with CBDCs, Central Bank Digital Currencies, right? These are basically a continuation of the fiat system that we already have. Yeah. Except for you can actually spend cash today
0: and nobody knows where you spend it. But with CBDCs, they're going to know where you spend every single dollar. Well, that's dollar. what I'm talking about in terms yeah. of the you know the attractiveness. Right. It's like, I, I don't need the government in every transaction I right, have. Right. I mean, you you see... You know, the weaponization, 87,000 new IRS agents. You know, and they're going to put, you know, yeah. but they're, they're, they're uh. stated thing, you know, they're going to watch your Venmo transactions if yep. it's $601 more, you know, like, because there's not enough billionaires for them to be auditing yeah. with that many armed agents. So, yeah. you know, they're going after every possible transaction, getting involved in every aspect of our lives. And, you know, I, I don't know that I trust or have much faith in you know, the institutions that are going to monitor a $601 transaction for Absolutely. me, but are $33 trillion in debt, uh, managed to lose $220 billion from the Pentagon budget, and it's like, oh, well, that's okay. They're worried about my $600 transaction, yeah. but they can't control $220 yeah. billion, Like, well, a, you know, minor they details.
2: They're paying for fines for money laundering built into their budgets. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like, all that happens when they get in trouble is they just get a slap on the wrist and they pay, you know, it's millions of dollars and they get out of it. Um, you know, in some cases... Uh, you know, I think if you look at uh, Deutsche Bank, I mean, they've had some really expensive fines for money laundering. It reminds me a lot of the supplement business. Uh, if, you've mm-hmm. ever, if you've ever you've ever seen, uh, you know, some of the documentaries on supplements and yeah. the way the FDA works, it is somehow the supplements were able to have some kind of lawsuit to where you don't have to check to see if all the ingredients are good unless somebody dies. So yeah. if, you, if you go to GNC and you get some random stuff from there and then you die, that was never protected. And it's only after you die that someone would file a lawsuit on your behalf and then they go after the supplements. And-, and I br- so it
0: Reminds me a little bit of maybe the FDA as well and in other things over the last couple of years. Uh, oh that, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, but it's the same thing, right? It's yeah. like, oh, it doesn't have to, like, oh, we didn't yeah. have to actually test it. We just, yeah. we, we're gonna say it's good. We're, we have total immunity. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what you see,
2: um, you know, kind of a, a similar mindset uh, when it comes to the way that you know crypto is regulated or the lack thereof, and the way that um, you know things are sketchy out there, <laughs> like there's a lot of sketchy stuff going on with the banks, um, and, and and when it comes to the supplement thing, it's like the banks are doing the same thing where they're building. So in the supplement business, the companies build into their budgets having to pay for lawsuits. They build it in because they know that somebody's going to get sick, somebody's going to get hurt, and then later they just go and they pay for it from the budget. That's what the banks do. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. It's like they, they know they're money laundering. They don't get held accountable. When they get caught publicly, they've got to come, you know, the SEC works with them to make sure that they, you know, say their apology and pay their fine and they move on. And it's just the dirtiest business in the world. And, and, and I think that that's why people have to understand that CBDCs, uh, and, and, and stable coins, uh, which are coins that are pegged to an asset, most likely yeah. to a dollar in, in USDC's case, um, is that in this is not crypto, yeah. right? Crypto is about decentralization. It's about things that are permissionless. Mm-hmm. It's about things that are open source. Though, that's the antithesis. Now, when we do get a digital dollar in America, which will probably come at some point, it will be a CBDC, um, then what that means is that's a walking, flashing neon sign for Bitcoin. Right as those come in and people understand that the permission, the controls, the surveillance—that's what it is. It's going to be surveillance. They want to know everything. Yeah, one hundred percent. Right, yeah. and I mean that. That's not. And, and like
0: the markets, you, yeah. you look at them and you compare them, and yeah. I mean I, I imagine that adds a lot of weight towards your decision to put your money in, in a Bitcoin or you know, perhaps one of the other you know crypto forms. I mean, talk about that. I mean, what are the differences, say, between you know Bitcoin, Ethereum, yeah. some of the other you know and. You know you, you hear about you know the shit coins and all yeah. that talk about those differences because you know where's the stability you know where where's it become a lot more speculative yeah uh, you know for people who are looking to do that
2: well speculation's in the meme coins <laughs> the, the, the your dogecoin your shiba yeah. um you know but plenty of other ones out there right now there's one that somebody made uh ginsler uh after gary ginsler <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: um and it, it, it's called good ginsler and so uh, I'm invested in that, by the way. I don't want to, you know, not disclose that, but it's just a joke, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's pure speculation. You can ride those up, make money with them. I think it's really funny to make money in crypto off of Gary Gensler. Yes. Which I really love. Yeah, the irony uh, is sort of, uh, I can't yeah, I mean, stand it's worth that a couple of bucks to... The the meme coins are speculation because they don't have any utility. They don't, they don't have... they don't do anything. Yeah. It's just a community of people that agree to buy something, they hype it up, and it, it's... It's kind of what's wrong with crypto in a lot of senses, but yet yeah. people made a lot of money with it and continue to make a lot of money with it. So it's like, you've got to find the validity there for those people.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, there's a there's a pyramid scheme element to it, right? It's like the yeah. meme stocks, right? It's Absolutely. like, hey, we're going to make a meme about something yeah. and it's going to, you know, blockbuster video, it's coming back. Like, yeah. mm, you know, maybe for a little while, <laughs> you know, but you don't want to be the last guy buying it. A hundred percent. And that's what it, like, you would
2: never invest in a meme coin for the long term. Doesn't yeah. make any sense. You just want to get in, if the price goes up, get out. Um, you know, right there. Now, when you actually are looking at crypto projects like Ethereum or Cardano or XRP, you know, these are projects that have utility in the future. Uh, I mean, there's utility now mm-hmm. uh, with Ethereum and some other things. Of course, XRP has a big lawsuit going on. Um, you know, we, we represent the XRP army because they're anti-Gary Gensler and anti-SEC, which we love. Um, the SEC is a joke. we get more into that in a little bit, but I think that Ethereum is a decentralized uh, smart contract platform. So, you can kind of look at it like, um, you know, the way that America Online was when it first came out, right? We got on the internet and when I was a kid, I thought that America Online was the internet. I didn't know there was a thing outside of that, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Right. So, I didn't know you could type in web addresses. Like, I would just go log into AOL and then there was chat rooms and then there were, you know, sports message boards and video game stuff and that's that's where you would go. Well, you kind of think of Ethereum or what we call layer um, uh, uh, layer two projects, or excuse me, <laughs> smart contract platforms, layer ones. Uh, you kind of think of them almost as like America online. They they live in a place in the internet, mm-hmm. is decentralized, but. Anything you want to do on that platform, you do within the platform. You can't really do things outside of the platform. So it's like little subsets Mm -hmm. kind of of the internet that work in a decentralized fashion, which means that there are so many computers out there that are running this software. There's not one central point of failure, and they all contain the same information. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of the thing that ties this together, because everybody's got to have the right information from the blockchain, or else the network doesn't keep running. So that takes away the need for, we call it trustlessness. Like, you don't have to trust that what it's telling you is true, because Every computer on the network is telling you that's true. Um, And so you also got coins like XRP that are working to change the banking system. Uh, XRP is a coin that, um, you know, what they're trying to do is make it to where they can do international cross-border payments much faster. So Bitcoin and XRP are both what we know as networks of value. So SWIFT system that runs the banking system right now, the international uh, transfers, uh, cross-border payments, it's a network of information. So when something thing is happening on the SWIFT system, somebody's got to come in on the back end and do
0: all the work. Yeah, well, so if you're dealing with time differences and everything 100%. else like you would in an international yep. transaction, that creates the headache, well, it creates, or, the, or the time lag, really.
2: Well, it's five to seven days is how long it takes yeah. uh, for these things to actually settle. With XRP, it settles in 30 seconds because it's a network of value. You're literally sending the value through that network. Like, if I want to send you a payment on Venmo, uh, Let's say about all the people who are in the middle of that transaction. So I go to my phone, pull up Venmo. So there's Venmo. They're right there on the front. They're going to be the first person. And then you find the person you want to send money to and you send them the money. It's going to go through your bank, through your credit card processing company that, it, you know, for that transaction. And then it's got to go to the other person who's got to receive it in their Venmo. And then it's got to go through the same process. So you're looking at about five, six entities in the middle of every transaction. If I want to send you Bitcoin, sent. That's it. There's nobody in the middle of it. And that's the whole point is it, it, not just in America, but in the world, like we built this huge system of like brokers,
0: third-party people. Everybody wants a cut of everything. Yeah, and it's a- like, everyone's taking a piece and every yes. all of those pieces take time and money. Absolutely, and, and that's what we're fighting against. For almost no value. No value I mean, at all. Every, all of it can be automated 100%. like that. And that's why they're fighting for their lives.
2: Because they're trying to explain like, no, you do need us, I promise, I promise. I remember I went and spoke in 2019 at uh, it, it, uh, an event for college students at, uh, I think it was uh, UCF. Uh, and, you know, there was a guy that stood up in the back, and he's like, Now, look, I don't buy any of this crypto stuff. I, you know, I'm way against it, blah, blah, blah. I said, Sir, what do you do? Well, I own a credit card processing company. Like, <laughs> yeah, obviously. For like, sure. this is the new system that, and what you'll find with crypto is, the further we get into it, people are going to see it solves all, all the problems with our current financial system are solved. It has some other problems, of course, with people getting hacked, you have to yeah. remember your passwords. But I, I think, you know, in crypto, there's this phrase people say a lot, like, we're in the wild west of crypto. No, guys, we're still in the wild west of the internet.
0: Like, that's what people have to understand. When you look back- yeah. When you uh, think of even just what's going on in AI. Yes. In like the last two weeks. Oh, it's you, crazy. I mean, it's, it's uh, you're right. Like, and it feels like, you know, I've been on the internet now for 20 years. Yeah. I must be really, it's like, no, man, I don't know anything.
2: When, when uh, an eight-year-old can pick up their phone and look at porn, it's broken. It, it hasn't it's been broken. Yeah. That's, that's the wild west, is the fact that anybody can access anything on, on the internet, no matter how old they are. And and this is something the blockchain fixes too, uh, you know, as well, mm-hmm. is digital identity verification to where your phone is hooked up to your identity. So that way, I know there's some scary aspects of that, yeah. but that way, they know that your kid is nine. They yeah. know that your kid,
0: when he picks up his phone, he's Seven. nine years old, and it automatically prevents from going to certain places. Talk, talk about the blockchain a little bit. Yeah. Because you, you, you know, as, again, as a neophyte looking on the outside, you hear about it as every aspect, you know, it, it's involved in everything, and every, yeah. you know, but break it down, you know, what exactly is it, how does it function, how is it sort of this infallible, yeah. you know, at least it's made out to be that way by the, the people, how is that possible, yeah. right?
2: Well, we're just used to central points of failure. So we're used to having, and when you think about this, like, it's shocking to people I think it's going to be
0: really shocking on how much trust you've given places that don't deserve it, right? Oh yeah, well listen, I, I see it every day because I, I mean one of my big things is like you know all of the social companies obviously yeah. they have a big presence, big platforms. Yeah, like there's no doubt they're looking at everyone's information at Absolutely. all times. They're selling it Absolutely. to the highest bidder. There's yep. a you know Google probably being the worst offender. There's a reason they're a multi-trillion dollar company. Absolutely. Like you know you don't even probably want to know what they know about you. And what they're doing with it, which is probably much worse.
2: Exactly. But but we've gotten used to the point where we just trust those people and what they say and and the records that they show you. Like, for instance, in your bank account, when they show you your bank account, they show how much money is there. That money ain't there. Go go try to withdraw it tomorrow. When we want to withdraw $5,000 of cash, it takes a week from Bank of America. Like, it's crazy the, uh, you know, lack of cash, but yet that's what shows in your account. Now, with the blockchain, the blockchain is a ledger, basically. That's what it is. It's a ledger of transactions um, that, you know, for eternity, basically. Like, from the beginning of the blockchain, from the beginning of Bitcoin, every transaction that has ever occurred on Bitcoin is on that ledger. Now, when it comes to, like, the trustlessness that I was talking about before, it's because it's done in a decentralized way. So the, the ledger is what the blockchain is, but then the infrastructure of how blockchain runs is through everybody that's on the network. So every computer, we call them nodes, every computer that is on the blockchain network, or on the Bitcoin network, for instance, it has that ledger within it, right? Well, every other computer on on the network has it as well. So if I were to, let's say, want to do a fraudulent transaction or try to show like, hey, this transaction occurred so I can get paid back, or, um, you know, what we call a double-spin transaction where the same transaction occurs multiple times on the, on the blockchain, it, I'm not a nerd, that may not be the exact definition, but uh, the point is, is that it would immediately be seen Mm -hmm. because every computer on the network- Literally every
0: other node is is a check and balance to the fraudulent transaction.
2: Absolutely, so you can't have one bad actor. To take over the network, you'd have to do what we call a 51% uh, 51 attack, which would be where more than half of the nodes on the network all contrive together to create fraudulent transactions. With Bitcoin, that's impossible now because the network is so big, and it's so secure that that just can't. There's not enough money in the world almost to try right, so to. So not,
0: not even like a bad actor, like a state. No. You know, you, you hear about the Russian bot farms yeah. and the you, know, yeah. you know the Chinese are hacking the Pentagon, but but they that's more that's less protected than this absolutely. would be in your money. Yeah, absolutely. Because
2: when you're attacking the Pentagon, you're attacking a system that has centralized points of failure. Bitcoin doesn't have that, and so you know. I love altcoins. Like, I love Ethereum. I love Cardano. I love XRP, ICP, HBAR, Algorand. Like, these are all coins I really like. Uh, Polygon, as well. Um, but when it comes to—I'm investing in all those, just for disclosure purposes. Um, but those are the coins that we really like. Like, I love altcoins. And a lot of people see me as, uh, you know, the Bitcoin maximalists. They're the most evil people in the world. I hate the Bitcoin maximalists. What,
0: what, what does that mean? <laughs> so, so
2: a Bitcoin maximalist is someone who only supports Bitcoin and will not give like, even Ethereum to them is a scam. Like uh-huh. everything that's not Bitcoin is a scam. It's like the very people that set out to kind of change the world
0: and, and say like,
2: mm-hmm. hey, let's give people freedom to choose. Like now they're like the same. They're like, well, no, if you uh, don't choose Bitcoin, you're wrong. And well, it's are like, they just
0: Are they just doing that to protect their asset? Like they're, it's like, is that like a pump and dump basically? Uh, like well, they're, they're pumping something to keep that value up there? Because if, 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 if you're less centralized towards one yeah. currency, I mean it, it's sort of like what's going on right now in the currency wars right now right yeah. uh you know the petrodollar has been the gold standard and now uh, people rightfully so our administration's not necessarily paying attention and this this is a sort of a conflict I'd love to you t- to talk oh, about yeah. which is like you know the petrodollar has allowed america to be as prosperous as it is because we basically are borrowing money that we don't actually have yeah. but it's essentially backed by everything that's in the ground uh all, you know all over the world once you lose that reserve currency status, uh, you lose that ability to borrow. Uh-huh. Now I know there is a component sort of within the crypto world where they're like, you know, stop talking about the strength of the US dollar. But like, if you lose the US dollar as that yeah. sort of preeminent world currency, there's a big ramification to the US economy as Absolutely. well, which I think we still, even certainly crypto people in the US yeah. still benefit from a strong US economy, Absolutely. even if they may not be a fan of the US dollar. But I don't yeah. know, how do, you get it, how do you have it both ways?
2: Well, I think this is very important because uh, you know when, when your dad came out and made the statements about Bitcoin that he made, of course, I criticized him heavily for that because I'm Bitcoin. Like, that's, yeah. a, that, that's my livelihood. Um, I think it came from a fundamental misunderstanding at the time of thinking you can't be pro-dollar, pro-Bitcoin, and pro-America. Yeah. And that's not true. I'm all three of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it's one of these things where as the dollar goes down in value, obviously, the value of Bitcoin is going to go up. Based on U.S. dollars, just like anything else with inflation. However, if we lose the reserve currency, we're screwed in America. Oh,
0: like well. By the way, it may be a mixed blessing. Our economy will get a tank, but at least we won't be funding like drag queen story hour because <laughs> oh. we won't have any money to fund anything. Yeah. So, so maybe we solve some of the disasters that have managed to become government-funded things, which we I don't know why they'd be government-funded at all. But no, I mean it's it's overall really bad now. I don't know if it's as bad as racking up $33 trillion in debt. Right. Uh, that we also have no real way of paying back while simultaneously shutting down yeah. our own energy sector, becoming dependent on our enemies. Uh, but and, if the GDP is growing, yeah. that, that debt number doesn't matter as much. When the GDP stops
2: growing and we start getting stagnant, that's when that the debt number starts becoming something you can't
0: avoid. But the debt number is growing more rapidly than the GDP number. Yeah. So you're always sort of shrinking whatever you, buffer you had, right? right. And that, that buffer is what, you know, yeah. uh, a, a couple bad weeks, a couple bad job reports, that collapses and so does everything else.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think like people worrying so much about the debt, like we should be more worried about the economy, yes. in my opinion, yeah, and we growth, should- Yeah, you you can outgrow it, yes. but it doesn't
0: seem like we're doing anything to actually do that. Uh,
2: well, of course, because like, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the guy running the, the country right now. Yeah. Uh, he has <laughs> no idea what he's doing. I, I, like it's always been hyperbole. They're like, oh, you know, whoever's the president, he's not really the president. Like Dick Cheney was really the president or Hillary was really the president. No, this guy really ain't the president.
0: <laughs> like, no, well, there's no way. And and, no. and if he actually was, you know, it's like when they're like, "Well, they fired two arrests." I mean, you meet Obama fired two arrests this week or last yeah. week, whatever. Yeah. Like it, it, it's crazy because you know, you wouldn't allow Joe Biden to run like a fast food store. No, you wouldn't allow him. To drive your children to school, Heck you, you, no. you, like, you, you know, you wouldn't, you would no, you wouldn't give them the keys. To maybe that have call. maybe have hunters with him, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, listen, <laughs> mate. and again, I always make clear, like, I understand that I am not the upstanding human being that Hunter Biden is. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but that's exactly the point. You see the hypocrisy. You see the protections. You saw last week. You know, they did the. You know, they're giving him the note card. This is the person from the LA Times, and this is the question they'll be asking you. It probably has an earpiece in. I mean, that's we're, that, we're living uh, the Wizard of Oz. That's where that mean? side grows. Like, who's the man behind the curtain? It, it's crazy when Or a woman, because I don't want to be a misogynist. So of I course gotta, We got to make sure we cover both bases. Or
2: maybe they're neither. You know, I don't know. Yeah. But the point is, when you look at uh, one of the hearings that Gary Gensler testified at, uh, Elizabeth Warren asked a lot of tough questions. We call Elizabeth Warren the banking broad because she pretends that she's- for the people and against the banks, but really, she's a direct line between the banks uh, and- the Get SEC. into detail on
0: that, because I've done that a couple yeah. times where I'm like reading Twitter, I'm like, wow, like, I'm actually, I sort of agree with what she's saying here, but, but what's the backstory to that? Because I know- Go look at her donors,
2: go, go look at her donors. Like, yeah. she's against a big corporation, she's against billionaires. Look at, we're doing a big expose video on her soon, um, but look at her background. She was an attorney that represented billionaires. That's what she yeah. was before she got into politics. Always a registered Republican. Until she got into politics, you know. So somebody that's just fake as is the, is the day is long, and you know she's on this like anti-crypto crusade. Well, look at her donors. Her, all of her top donors are Amazon, Google or Alphabet, uh, Apple,
0: Microsoft. It's yeah. all
2: the people she pretends to fight. They're well, the that, ones. So what the So, money so to when her.
0: she's fighting them, is yeah. when I'm like, oh, like wait a minute, like how can I actually yeah. be? W-? But it's not. It's not actually real. No, I mean go. You go and with by the, the way, this is a. The Republicans are guilty of this, too, right? Yeah. I see plenty of guys, you know, they're going to take on big tech. And I'm like, oh, well, you're still cashing yeah, yeah. your Google checks. 100%. You're still doing this. And, you know, you talk really good in a hearing. But when it comes time to actually vote, when you see the final legislation, I'm like, well, you know, so you aren't actually for. You can't both like, sides. But they do. it, And, you know, yeah. our, and again, our side is, as, I'm probably much more familiar with our side and how bad an actor they are in that because I'm actually following it more more closely, and you see it, you know, they go on late night TV and news, and we should be doing this, 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 but you're like the chairman of the committee that actually has the power to do that, like, so do yeah, it, but, but they're taking advantage of people who are either, I don't wanna say ignorant, because they got other things going they on, mean, right? they, they don't naive. live in that world, they, they just don't fully understand, yeah. so they're like, oh, that guy's
2: really fighting for us, but they're not. So, so, so very so, interesting, I, I, went, I actually went to Washington DC and um, met with uh, six different offices of Congress um about a bill that i had trying to, to create a digital asset commission in the united states um, it's on pause right now we'll see what happens with it um, but you know it was very interesting going up there and, and seeing kind of the way that things are working and what people yeah. are scared of um, but before i went i had to go buy a gucci suit sorry i don't mean to represent <laughs> gucci it was sponsored by stake.com um, but uh not gucci gucci if you want to send me free clothes i will take it uh but i went to the gucci store and i bought a suit to go to washington with And the guy that was helping me there at the New York store, his name is Michael. And I love, me and my wife love Michael. He's an awesome guy. Um, Got to know him pretty well. And as we're checking out, I'm talking to him a little bit about what I do. And he says, well, you know, there's somebody out there that's against those banks. Like, who is it?
0: Elizabeth Warren. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Bro, you couldn't be more wrong. But again, I read her Twitter feed sometimes where I'll I'll pop in. I'm like, wait a minute, like... How is she with me on this? Because it she's not. not. She's not. Yeah. And it's it's so that all part of the scam. Yeah, absolutely. And uh,
2: in addition, also, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, who is the biggest scammer in the history of the world, uh, you know, his dad, Joseph Bankman, actually worked on tax legislation with Elizabeth Warren,
0: <laughs> like directly, like three or four yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, in. he makes Madoff seem like a, oh, like is. small potatoes. And yeah. all, so talk about that because like, you guys broke. Yeah. Didn't you guys break sort of the FTX story or? Yeah. Or, I mean. Not that you're a news agency, but you sort of like something's wrong here, right? Like, talk about yeah. how you did that—the you know—the the, the entire SBF thing. How did? Now I understand why it happened and how. I mean, yeah. he became the second largest Democrat donor after Soros, so he's protected in in a way. I, I imagine. Well, but all that money's got to go back.
2: So is he protected anymore?
0: But but notice the Democrats aren't exactly. No one's clamoring for it. I, if I was the Republicans, yeah. I would do it because it would bankrupt them this cycle if they had to give that money back. But they're going to do right. it. Well, the money's gone. It's been spent. It's been. You know, and by the way, the people who invested, even the Democrats who invested in you know FTX, you know, they ain't getting their money back. In my opinion, we'll see. Oh, no. No, no, no. Like that, I that, that so. ain't coming back, and the dumb donors, you know, aren't getting it back, uh, giving it no. back. But but talk about that because you saw some of that mm-hmm. coming. Yeah, and, and yet this guy could be meeting with the most powerful people in the world. He can be in the Oval Office. He can be uh, everywhere. Uh, yeah, and yet. So so here here's what
2: happened. It's it's a it's a Crazy story. See, you're a hunter? Yeah. I'm a big hunter myself. Oh, so yeah, we'll have to I, go sometime. Yeah, I went to, uh, to Alaska to kill a 60-inch moose. Yeah, you know, ah, it was awesome. Really been. Sp- yeah, we were supposed to go grizzly bear hunting as well, but- uh, yeah, We're gonna have to exchange pictures later on. Anyway. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. This the stuff that'll
0: get me in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> sure. my oh my god, he's killing animals. Uh, no, no, I I, didn't put my I love animals, they're delicious. Yeah, absolutely. Moose is- unbelievably well, it's good. It's the best game meat in North America, certainly up yep. native. No guy down in Texas is pretty good, but that's not sort of, that's sort of an invasive but, but species, introduced species, but yeah, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Moose so, is phenomenal. So I go, so what happens
2: is, uh, this is relevant to the story, is that I get ready to go to Alaska on a trip, and right before I go to Alaska, um, I was going to be gone for two weeks, no internet service. Uh, I had actually, uh, we had this bill for a digital asset commission. We were trying to raise funding for it. And so one of my guys, uh, Brian Evans, who is a, a big guy in crypto, who I love, great friend. Uh, he actually told me, he's like, hey, we can send this to FTX for funding. Because he had a connection with Sam, with Sam and with Brett Harrison, um, where they had conversed before. He's like, well, let's try to leverage that and see if they'd be willing to fund this. So, you know, we needed like, I don't know, I think it was like $1.6 million we were trying to raise. And so we sent this over to them. And Brett Harrison responded and said, hey, yeah, this looks real good. We'll send this over to our, uh, you know, department, uh, their uh, regulation department, basically. That was Mark Wetjen, a former, uh, you know, guy from the the uh, CFTC, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is we send them the bill, and then I leave. They sat on the bill forever, and they just wouldn't answer after that, after it got sent to their policy department. So uh, we basically had
0: uh, a couple politicians that we were working with. Um, <laughs> They're just... <laughs> Burying, it, yeah. burying the evidence or at least stalling it out as long as possible, like uh, riding it, it out. It, exactly.
2: Well, that's the time that Sam starts really going in and trying to get involved in the regulation of the, uh, uh, I can't, the DC, DCCA, I can't remember what it was, yeah. but it was the bill to get killed yeah. that was um, you know, trying to, to change stuff in crypto. I can't remember what it's called now, it's so irrelevant. Um, But this is when he really latched onto that. That was the bill that Sam was trying to use as his vehicle to get all the centralized exchange regulations the way that he wanted it because he doesn't care about crypto. He didn't care about decentralized. He just cared about making money and becoming powerful and and being able to fund all the, uh, you know, people that that he was funding. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, So we were working with, we were bipartisan. We had, Supporters on both
0: sides. I won't say who. No, did. but by the way, that's okay because, like, yeah, of I, course. I, I, I mean, I'll, and I'll get crap from my yeah. people. And be like, hey, man, like sometimes you actually have to deal within the realities of the world. Yeah. And I'd love to say this is our side and this is the stance, but it, it doesn't work that way. It's like right. business. You know, you, you don't ever get a hundred percent. Of what you want in something and you got you yeah. have to actually understand that game and like people are like, Oh, you sold out, it's like, no, like you know, actual progress. This is what the Democrats actually do but much better than Republicans. Like they'll take a fifty one percent win yeah. and like rack it up and go do it again. Yep. And again, and again, and aggregate a bigger pie that yep. they end up with hundred percent of the win or ninety nine percent of what mm-hmm. they wanted. You know, we will sit there and be like, We got ninety nine percent of what we want. And we'll be more. like, we're, we're going to blow it over <laughs> yeah. the point of, it, it, it's, it's stupid. It's, it, and it's just not realistic in the yeah. world in which we live. And I try to be, you know, pragmatic in that way, but, you know, it, it'll get you in trouble. If, yeah. e- even if it's actually moving the needle forward as opposed to ultimately losing losing ground. So, so exactly, 100%. That, that's the way we see this thing
2: works. But what, what occurs is, is the Democrat that was, you know, working with the lobbying company that we were working with, uh, was actually Barbara Boxer. And nobody knows it. I haven't told said that publicly ever. No. So uh, it was Barbara Boxer. And so Barbara Boxer calls Mark Wetgen and says, what is the deal? Why are you all sitting on this bill? We need answers. Like, what is going on here? And uh, he tells her that not only are they not going to be funding our bill, but also they were going to try to steal her to support what they were doing now. Interesting. They try to take her from us. And so... Um, like I said, our bill's kind of dead right now in the water. We'll see what happens as regulation gets a little more friendly. But Barbara Boxer is the one that kind of started that entire thing. And, and what happens is they tell her, well, what we're doing is we want to basically create a federal bit license. So the bit license in New York City or in New York State, the Department of Financial Services, is the worst piece of crypto regulation that was ever passed. Well, it's like all gaming regulations and 100%. all that. Like, it, yep. It just, yeah. just, just, Just horrible. And, and crypto companies had to leave overnight. And people that live in New York are like, I wish I lived anywhere else because it's so hard to do crypto here
0: because of that bit license. Well, they went to written by people who probably have no understanding. I mean, oh, I saw this course. like you know New York Safe Act. Yeah, you know, they got to be the first to act on guns, so they write something that's clearly like no one understands what's even going on. I mean, law law enforcement officials were literally yeah. committing a felony by showing up with their service <laughs> weapons the next day, and it's like you know, uh. but it's, it there's always. You know, the perception of we acted fast and first, it's yeah. like, no, you're idiots. You don't even know what you're talking about, nor should you be writing legislation about it. Oh, gosh. It. Yep. And guns are probably yep. a lot you know, more mechanically simple than crypto. Crypto, for sure. Yeah, exactly. So and I think all that stuff is is
2: very important. That's one thing we've been pushing for in regulation. That's why we wanted digital assets commission, because you'd actually have people to understand it making the rules instead of, People that, you know, uh, they might as well be
0: regulating fried chicken. Right, but how, I mean? how many people in government actually understand it? Because, you know, you know I, I, sp- I spent a lot of time with a lot of people. And, yeah. i you know, there are much simpler concepts that most of them don't have much of a grasp on. That's that thats true. Right? I, I mean, it's yeah. a complicated thing.
2: I, 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 I've been kind of surprised, honestly. Like, uh, with a lot of the people that we've spoken to... Um, they're, them and their offices are a little bit more educated on crypto than I think people would suspect. Good. okay. Um, well, I'm and, shocked to hear it actually I, I based on everything else I know. but I was as right. well. I, I was shocked as well. I've had some good conversations with some politicians a, a, about blockchain and, um, you know, it's something that they may not understand the ins and outs of it but they see the what it fixes. Yeah. It, it, it fixes uh, our, our financial system uh, in a way that nothing else can. It holds people accountable like nothing else can. And so, you know we, we we're really encouraged to, to see all that but but what happens is is that once we figure out what they're doing with the federal bit license I'm like oh no this this guy's a bad actor like if he's willing to throw away decentralization for his centralized exchange this guy's a bad actor and so as we started attacking Sam Bankman-Fried of course I've got this very famous rant that was on uh, on my channel I think the day after Sam released kind of his opinion on crypto regulation I called him the devil. I I called him the devil on the show. And when people made these auto-tuned remixes of it and all this stuff, it was hilarious. And, you know, I I said that day, I said, if I have to become a meme for people to see how bad this guy is, and for us to stop, happy to do it.
0: memes are powerful. They are powerful, you know. (laughs) As a general in the meme wars, I thought (laughs) myself, like, listen, a picture can say a thousand words. Absolutely. Yeah, so. So you caught that just from the way they took what would have been, in your opinion, based on actual experience, yeah. you know, great legislation? Because I mean, yeah, I guess people want to know, you know how can it be regulated? Yeah. Should it be regulated? Yeah. Uh, you know, what's the government going to try to do to get rid of all of the the stuff that we imagine yeah. would be good to sort of bastardize it down? And I guess that's probably where he was going because it allowed him to carry the scheme on longer. A hundred percent. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, because he becomes the only regulated
2: centralized exchange in America, Coinbase probably would have gotten it as well, but all of a sudden. All the other exchanges that people were using, they had to actually now move towards,
0: or they would have to move towards one of these regulated exchanges. So it's like an RFP, a request for a proposal, like that basically was designed to only allow them to participate. hundred percent. That's what the entire so, thing so was So he basically yeah. created or changed the legislation to give himself monopoly power over yep. crypto. And so, and so we first, I first found out about this the day I got back from my hunting trip. So, I'm, I'm in the airport. Yeah. yeah. I know what those days are like when you've been yeah. like incommunicado for 10 uh-huh. days, and like it's just a shit storm and it's like, Exactly. Uh, like, I'm walking ooh. around the
2: Seattle airport where I had my layover like for hours just talking about this with all, all the people that were involved, and like, what do we do about this? And so, we started attacking him relentlessly, and then people thought we were crazy, and then before you know it, everybody's realizing, oh, he knows something we don't. And so, that's when all of a yeah. sudden, all Sam's enemies started contacting me. Like, all of these crypto projects, this is something that people don't even know yet. Uh, I mean, we talked about it on my channel, but if you're not in the main, if you're not in crypto knowing that I talked about this, nobody's talking about it, Washington's not talking about it, is that not only were the retail investors victims because they were commingling funds, but also, they straight up extorted and counterfeited projects all across the board specifically to destroy them. Uh, FTX had uh, ICP is a project I, I love. Um, and, There was a thing where it launched in May of 2021 that it just absolutely tanked and went down like 98%. Everybody's like, what happened? Well, everybody's calling it a scam because they were saying, well, you know, like they had all these founders tokens and all this stuff. Sam paid for all that. Sam launched perpetual futures contracts on ICP four days before it was available to buy anywhere. How can you have a futures contract on something that doesn't have a baseline price? Yeah. And so Sam used that to pump the price up to, of ICP to an unsustainable level, and they shorted it to the ground. I, his parents were the architects of the entire thing, it, or, along with Dan Friedberg, uh, who was actually ran the biggest poker scam in history on Ultimate Bets, where they were doing what they say uh, called God Mode, to where they were able to actually look at the other player's cards, right? Well, that's the same exact thing they did at FTX. Dan Friedberg was a compliance lawyer of FTX, the same guy that, that ran the biggest poker scam
0: of all time. Well, if you're gonna come work. in a fraud, that seems like the perfect guy to have as your general counsel. Well, it does, right?
2: <laughs> so, so, so Dan Freeberg, we believe, was the architect. Uh, there's tons of evidence tying him to all this. Uh, he was the architect of the entire thing. The parents were the puppet masters. Yeah. Um, and his parents, um, you know, Barbara Fried and, and Joseph Bankman, they're absolute crooks. Uh, I, I talked to some people that worked with them on the philanthropy side, because Joseph Bankman was in charge of the philanthropy of FTX. Well, the philanthropy was bundling money customer funds to politicians. That's all it was. Even if you look like, you know, certainly, uh, you know, uh, not as much with your audience, but I understand on, on, on a larger scale, there's some controversy around like, you know, COVID-19 and, and and the whole thing, the pandemic, was it planned, was it not? I mean, I definitely have
0: my opinions. I yeah, believe they're probably I, I very know, similar to yours. They're probably quite similar to mine because it seems like there's one big beneficiary yeah. of everything that happened. There was one big cover up for everyone, everyone that Amazing, started it. And it's like, and it was always so obvious. It was always. I always, mean, hard. I always talk about like the Wuhan lab leak theory. Was like, I'm like, uh, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. But I'm also not an idiot. 100%. Like, of course it started there. Yeah. You know there No, 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 no. It, it started three feet outside of the lab. And you can't study the it did. virus in question. It's never been seen before yeah. in, in mankind. But it wasn't from the lab studying the exact virus in question, yeah. funded by this, protected by the World Health Organization, no, and be. and all of these things who happen to be getting big donations from China. I'm like. Of course it was. Obviously, I mean, it was obviously- And and who benefits? Yeah. Because you're not allowed to talk about that either, right? Because that's terrible and it was- Big Pharma. (laughs) So, well, beyond, well, beyond Big Pharma, you know, if you have a virus or a disease that attacks predominantly the elderly and the already infirm, meaning Mm -hmm. people with pre-existing conditions, I don't know, seems like something that a country with a aging 1.3 billion population, you know, doesn't exactly care for their citizens as evidenced by the way they treat the Uyghurs or whatever. Like, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> maybe it's conspiratorial, but like, if they lost, you know, the elderly and and that have maybe now experienced a little taste of wealth yeah. for the first time, ah, I, I, you there know, might be something there. I don't know. I don't know. know. You, crazy? I don't know. Be I, you know, like all conspiracy theories yeah. that, that have been proven correctly, this way, like, that, that's as plausible as anything else. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and if they managed to take out the U.S. economy, take out Trump, uh, you know, in the process, like, wow, that's a that's a pretty solid added benefit. And yeah. again, I'm not saying this happened. But, like, we'd be foolish to not have this conversation. And, like, all the conversations we'd be foolish not to have, no one's having them because of the uncomfortable truths that would probably come well, from.
2: Well, you're it. not allowed to. I, yeah. Thank God that Elon Musk has opened up Twitter to where I feel like we can go there and talk about yeah. realities
0: of situations. Oh. Because before, you felt like if you even said COVID-19, you're going to get canceled. Well, I, I know like, like, for me, I mean, I was one of the early guys being like, hey, they're censoring me. <laughs> well, how do you know that? I was like, well, cause I have, you know, at the time, you know, five million yeah. followers and I used to get a couple thousand retweets it's a post. Obvious. Now I'm getting two, yeah. I'm getting four retweets a yeah. post. Like, like, I've been doing, you know, like you with crypto, I was an early adapter on social media. Yeah. Okay, uh, you know, I was one. Of, I was thinking of the first guy on Telegram to break a million followers at the time. That's oh, wow. you know, that you know, ever since the other ones opened up, that's come down. But like, you know, uh, millions on Twitter early. Like when I hit send, I know what it's going to do. Yeah, I know when I'm pushing the boundaries. I know when it's milquetoast. I like, I get it. Yeah, like. I saw discrepancies like this, but then I'd also see the lunatics on the left post something that wasn't particularly good, particularly would you know, go just viral through yeah. the roof. And I'm like, okay, like they're being assisted and I'm being stymied. It's very clear.
2: We saw the government was working with Twitter before yeah, course, you all on with So, but, but the whole point, bringing, wrapping this back around to, to FTX, uh, the whole thing is they were supposed, like if you're against pandemic prevention and stuff, like that's one thing the main profit nonprofit they were giving money to was, I can't remember exactly what it's called, like, preparation for the pandemic or whatever. They're supposedly giving money to prevent the next pandemic, right? I mean, so even if you're against COVID-19, or, or not against COVID-19, but against, you know, you understand the conspiracy, it's like, okay, well, that's kind of controversial that that's where they're giving money to, but okay, whatever. That's not what it was. It was called, like, pandemic prevention, but it was all about funneling money to candidates on the left and they just called it pandemic prevention. Yeah. It had nothing to do with COVID-19, nothing to do with the pandemic yeah. at all. It's like everything on the philanthropy side was a straight up scam. Um, and they were using other people's names because all these campaign finance laws are, are gonna be absolutely insane, uh, you know, when it
0: comes to FTX, be, all the violations. Well, I feel like they were manipulated so badly by FTX by the time, again, you don't hear anything about it. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about FTX in three months. <laughs> uh, so I'd be curious to see your thoughts on that. but. Yeah, it it seems like if FTX or SAM was donating to Republicans, uh, you know, the FEC, Federal Elections Commission, uh, they'd be looking at these contributions uh, a little differently than they are when they went to go benefit Democrats, because, you know, like all of these big government institutions, they're controlled by the communists essentially at this point. So, you know, that hasn't happened. Uh, so I'm hoping it will, but so so now you're seeing this stuff, what does he know that we don't know? Yeah. Uh, people in the know are starting to understand it. Yep. The, the average consumer is still totally like, this guy is in, you know, super genius, you hey, know, He, he, loves, people. he yeah. loves people. he loves people. He loves altruism.
2: So what happens then? <laughs> yeah, so what happens then is, is we start exposing all these projects and I start realizing like, oh, this is much bigger than just, uh, you know, him being a bad person because of this regulation that he's pushing. As we started giving out all these narratives about all what he was doing with counterfeiting projects, um, you know, he's probably actually the reason Terra Luna collapsed. He's probably the reason why Celsius collapsed. Uh, He's probably the reason why Voyager, Three Airs Capital, he was stop-loss hunting the the guys that own that. Um, All this stuff is out there and is on the blockchain somewhere. Somebody's still got to find the evidence. Uh, But he was just trying to destroy all these projects across the board um, because they were competitors. Like, if you look at ICP, for instance, it was a competitor to Solana, which was his biggest investment. Um, you look at Celsius. It was a competitor. Yeah, Solana was
0: just a total scam. Oh, yeah,
2: I, I, absolutely, from, from from day one. Now, it, it still has a network, but they can pause the blockchain. If you can pause the blockchain, that's not the point of blockchain. Yeah, it sort of
0: feels that that defeats
2: yeah. the... 100%. Yeah. They favored speed of transactions over decentralization, and that's eventually what ended up, you know, causing Solana to, to fall off a cliff. Um, but... A couple of, like, on October 29th, so FTX collapsed on November 9th. Mm-hmm. Uh, on October 29th, I had a tweet where I warned everybody, get your money. I said, if you don't take your money off FTX, you're low IQ. Like, get your money off. There's something wrong. And we were pushing this narrative because we knew something was wrong. But a couple of days later, I actually said, well, I didn't think they were insolvent because we were working with the projects. And so what you're seeing on the yep. project side is they were creating a fake market. I just hadn't came to the point yet until everything happened on the 9th of realizing, oh, the, the fake market was insolvency. Like, that's what the whole thing was. They were creating a market that didn't exist because they were using customer funds and they were over-leveraging everything and they didn't have the money, and they had to create these fake markets to be able to keep the appearance that they had all the money. And so, you know, on November, or November 2nd is when um, uh, CoinDesk released the leaked balance sheet of FTX that showed how much trouble that they were in. Um, and, people were, and Sam literally came out and said, oh, no, that's absolutely not true. Like, we're 100% solvent. I actually talked to the CEO of a project, I won't say which one, it was a top 100 coin, I don't know where it is now, but they literally lost eight figures on FTX because Sam came out and said, "We are totally solvent, everything's good," and they were getting ready to make a big move oh, in there. God. And they took that vote of confidence as, "Oh, we can put the money on there." I told him I said, "Well, you know, that's that's <laughs> the dreaded vote of confidence from the NFL owner, you know, it's like when when you know, your yeah. owner of your team comes out and says, we trust our coach. He's got our full support. He's always fired the next week, you know? And so that that's really what that was. And, you know, so once all the insolvency stuff came out, it's like, oh, this this is what we were on to. We've been working with uh, uh, Gretchen Morgensen, a, a NBC reporter, on um, putting out a big story about the fake market. We just hadn't made that final connection yet, and it was so crazy. Like, we were involved in this story from pretty much day one, and yet, it's all unfolding much more rapidly than we thought that it would. We yeah. were working on the story. We thought we had a
0: month on. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, the entire exchange has collapsed. So, Should um, anyone else have seen this? Or was it just, I mean, again, you, you've made this your life yeah. for you know, the better part of more than a decade. Uh, could anyone else have seen this no. coming? No. And, right. and that's like, so how do you prevent it from happening again? We remove these actors from the space. Like, we, we take,
2: like, the traditional financial markets have no place in crypto. And when you have guys that are coming over from Goldman Sachs and are coming over from the banking system and creating crypto
0: projects, uh, these are our enemies. This is not what we want. because yeah, when you're a hammer, everything's a nail, right? So if absolutely. you're bringing you're bringing that 25 years of experience at Goldman Sachs into crypto, it it doesn't doesn't translate. Doesn't, doesn't yeah. translate. Doesn't I mean, jive. The the,
2: the biggest. I, I'm the number two biggest. Uh, I, I'm the the biggest in America. But there is one channel that's uh, that, that's bigger than mine. I'm not trying to th- throw shade on literally started by a guy guy from Goldman Sachs. The biggest channel in crypto started directly from a Goldman Sachs employee. And it's like, can we not see what these people are trying to do? Mm -hmm. Can can we not see they're trying to turn crypto into the traditional financial sector? Because when you look at FTX's scam, it's the exact same way the the traditional system already works. We're, oh, it's so crazy that they were doing this, that they were taking the customer funds, and they were co-mingling, and they were over-leveraging, (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, guys. Hey, that's I, the way the entire system hey, works. Have you heard of Credit Suisse? hundred uh, you know, percent. They just went bankrupt like yeah. three weeks ago. Like, you know, and that was one of the, like, I, you know, when I graduated from Wharton, you know, yeah. the Wharton School of Finance in, in 2000, that, like half my graduating class went to Credit Suisse because that uh-huh. was where if you were an investment banker, that yeah. was like before hedge funds were really <laughs> a big thing. Like, you know, that's what you wanted to do. And that's where you were going to make yeah. a lot of money doing that. But that's, I mean. That just went and solved it, and now you're bringing in that same mentality here. Yeah, absolutely. And so I don't think any like
2: I'm involved in this big uh, class action lawsuit. Uh, right now, where they're suing me for a billion dollars, along with uh, like
0: eight other uh, influencers. Welcome to my life. That's called Tuesday. Okay. I ain't worried about it. You ain't gonna (laughs) worry. The
2: the funny thing is, out of all the nine people that are included on that, I'm the only person that literally did not promote FTX. I never was paid by them. Never
0: even had a conversation with them. And yet somehow I get looped into this billion dollar lawsuit. You get dragged in because you're Either you're a big name or a big fan. wallet, or perceived as a yep. deep pocket, and you know. Guess what? They're just going to add you in because yeah. they can, and you have to defend it. And yeah, well, that, that's the problem with. You know. I love to fight. <laughs> like I love yeah. to fight. I it's, got the Trump gene too, so yeah, it's like a, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, okay, my happy place. Let's go.
2: You know, because the, the law firm that's doing this against me—they're an absolute joke. They, they just uh, tried to put me in. Uh, I was on Monday. I was down there for a harassment hearing because I've been very, I've been very vocal about what a scam yeah. uh, you, you know, they, they are. Uh, because they're going after an innocent person that had absolutely nothing to do with it. And so in the court, on the transcripts, people will see when, it, when it's public, is that uh, they literally lied about voicemails from me. So he, in the courtroom, the guy is literally telling, uh, literally telling the judge, well, you know, you know, my plaintiff is scared for his life, asking if I have to have a gun because of all of the, the violent threats that you know, uh, Ben Armstrong has made towards me and my family. He used his daughter in the courtroom. He said, my daughter came up to me and said, dad, are we safe? Yeah. 100% made up. Yeah. I made some mean tweaks to this guy on Twitter. I threatened to have his license taken. All of these threats that supposedly I made to them, they were all on phone call or voicemail. The entire hour that he says that I was calling for an hour straight, I was on a live stream and I was, literally recording videos with timestamps that I was literally on camera the entire time he says that I did this. And the evidence he well, submitted- never, poor, never let the truth
0: get in the way of a good story. Uh, of right? course, that's, of that, course. That, that's another thing you'll, uh, well, he, you'll you'll learn through this experience as I, as I have as well through yeah. the media and others. Well, the, he's gonna get a lot of learning to do himself on this
2: because I, I think he just thought I was an idiot and thought that I'm just loud and brash and I'm talking and all this stuff. Uh, but I come with receipts. When it's time for me to fight, I come with receipts. And so I had receipts. I literally could not have made those voicemails and he was using those threatening voicemails that he said was definitely me to fuel his plaintiff and his family to be fearful. And yeah. like, that's so sick to, to try to bring down me, an innocent man. That's, the, that's how far this guy is willing to go. And we were able to prove in court that, no, we actually didn't do those phone calls at all. He literally lied about it the entire time. And it's like, you know... Come at me, bro. Like, come at me with false allegations uh, because I've got the truth on my side. And yes, granted, like, the truth doesn't always
0: work, but. Oh, yeah, listen, I I did 50 hours of testimony for treason, you know, a crime punishable by death for Russia, Russia, Russia. Now, you had the head of the intelligence committee saying that I was doing all these things. He had seen the evidence. The media will, you know, like the lapdogs that they are, you know, they'll run with that as though it's the gospel. And yet, now we all know none of that was true. And there's still some yeah. pretending it, like it's real. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter. But that's the problem with BS. You still gotta deal with BS. The, the good,
2: the, like this, this lawsuit has been so great for me. Like, I, I love it. Like the, the fact that they literally have shown their lack of due diligence to, to the extent to where they literally include someone that never even had a conversation with FTX on this lawsuit it's just wins for me. I'm just racking up wins, you know, left and right over this whole thing. And so, you know, I, I, got, I got looped into this entire thing, um, and it's been, like, quite controversial, and, you know, everybody's been talking about it. They've been tweeting about it, and, um, you know, I, I've been making a joke of the entire thing because the entire thing is a joke. Like, there's a reason why it's a sideshow for me because it's so laughable that I'm even included on this that I'm going to make a mockery of the entire thing. Like, it, it, it's not no. fair that you can just attack people for no reason. And so we're going to be able to find and, and show the receipts. And so I was down here on, uh, on Monday to, to face that hearing. And, uh, you know, it, it's just so crazy the, the,
0: the lack of due diligence from our legal system. And, and that it's just kind of allowed. Oh, ask, ask me how I know. Yeah. <laughs> someone, I know you know. So between me and my father, probably more sued than any human being in the history uh, of the country. I mean, we're dealing with allegations. Well, 30 years ago, <laughs> he was mean to me, and we're gonna, and guess what? You still have to deal with it. Yeah. And you end up in a, you know, the Southern District of New York where 99% yeah. of the people hate your guts. And so they're like, oh, well, well, we'll do this. I mean, our legal system is a joke. Yeah, it is. Uh, there is no equal justice under our law, and that, that's the problem. I mean, it's something I, I think... You know, we have to fix because it's not sustainable this way where it could be weaponized this, that's what this I'm way doing against the people. Like that that's the reason why I'm making a mockery of of the entire thing
2: because people have to understand that not only is our financial system broken, our legal system is broken, yeah. our media system is broken, our medical system is broken. Like all of these are broken in the same way
0: because they all favor centralization yeah. over uh, the people. And so- Well, so talk about that because I mean, obviously, you, the, the notion of makes this so appealing in terms of crypto, and certainly you know that, that decentralization, yeah. right? The, the deregulation, but but when you watch an FTX happened, when you see that, you know what what's the what's the happy medium of? I don't I don't want to say regulation because some people may be like there should be none whatsoever. Well, but you have I, to have some regulation. So so yeah. what what is that? Where should it be regulated to? How do you do that, and how do you keep sort of let's call it political bias? Yeah. Out of it, right? You end up in a, in a court in New York City, and if you're a hunter, if you're maybe even libertarian, whatever, zero chance. Yeah. Like, you're out because of that. And we'd love to believe it's a jury of your peers, but, like, you know, is someone in that jury gonna, are they, are they gonna take even the most ridiculous case against Trump and be like, you know what, it's just easier, uh, we'll say guilty because I can't go home. Yeah, I won't be able to go to school, And you know, when the media leaks that I was on the jury and that I was one of the people that let him go. I mean, but those are the considerations that are going through these people's minds, and it's yeah. sick.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that, it, like, we just are dealing with an irrational system that has to be changed from the inside out. And, you know, it, it's no longer, like, everything now is subjective and opinion-based. Like, as we move more towards blockchain decentralization, like. Everything has rules and standards that have to be governed and have to be lived by. So when you look at social media, for instance, um, you know, are rules about shadow banning, you know, they said, like Mark Zuckerberg, like just two years ago, or maybe it was a little bit longer than that, three or four, said shadow banning doesn't exist. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> yeah, very clear. Yeah, yeah. Wink, wink. It's very obvious that it exists. It's very obvious that, that you're doing it. So the difference between like a social media blockchain um, and what we have now with our centralized, uh, you know, entities would be that there's still rules. There's still, like, it's not just a free, you can't go post child porn on a public, Mm -hmm. you know, blockchain or on a public uh, uh, social media site. So there are rules that people have to follow. The difference is, is that those rules are ironclad and they're not subjective. They're not yeah. based on somebody sitting up on his perch saying, you know what, I don't like that one, but I like this one. So that's all that's regulated within yeah. the blockchain. Right, that's all regu- the, the government. We call it governance. You know, the governance within a blockchain, within a network, will be the ones that, that handle that. And so when you look at, like, look, I'll just be really honest. I, I think that, uh, you know, if, if, if Trump, if your dad comes out as pro-Bitcoin, I think that would be enough to swing the entire election for him in the future because it's made up of strictly independent libertarian voters that have to make a choice between one side or the other. That's almost the entire cross-section of crypto. And I think that, um, you know, when it comes to this libertarian mindset, a lot of these people have this mindset that there should be no rules and no regulation because, you know, they think you should be able to do heroin on the side of the road. Well, I don't really believe that. I think there's a happy medium Mm -hmm. uh, between all of it. But when it comes to regulation, the thing is, we got to have common sense rules that are ironclad that aren't subjective. No one no one is responsible for more people losing money in crypto than Gary Gensler. This guy literally met with Sam
0: Bankman-Fried for 6 months before FTX collapsed. And yeah, th- th- the guy guy that's supposed to prevent these things and be for the people like yeah. literally was just getting scammed and and, and who Elizabeth, and or Warren pro-
2: Elizabeth Warren was protecting? And it's like yeah. it's so crazy when you look at it, it to understand that there's no in the middle here. This statement is 100% factual. Either Gary Gensler is the most incompetent regulator in the history of regulators to have met with them- Which by the
0: way is very possible. Very <laughs> possible, very possible. Because it
2: could also be a both. Right, right, right. It's very possible that he was just that incompetent. And how does he get to keep running the SEC when he worked alongside the biggest scam, fraud Ponzi scheme in the history of the world? They this is possibly up to $50 billion when you factor in all the companies that were involved with FTX. It's not just the customer funds that were on the site. It's a lot bigger than that. So it's either, he's totally incompetent. He's not capable of doing his job. And there's a guy, uh, ZK Sharks, uh, I think is his name on uh, Twitter. He's been doing a phenomenal job uncovering so many conflicts of interest of Gary Gensler from the stuff he said when he taught his MIT blockchain course. Uh, I can't remember what year it was. Maybe it was 2016, 17, 18, uh, to where he says, three-fourths of all cryptos are obviously not securities. He said that back in, you know, the yeah. early days. And now he's saying, now they're all securities. They're definitely all securities. Going to be oh, I'm sure it's not because he's being paid by his former employee, Goldman Sachs, you know, go, go figure. But the thing is, is that um, when you look at that, he's either a criminal or he's incompetent. There's nothing in the middle. You, yeah. you can't meet with the biggest fraud in the history of the world, not know it, and right, then, so how do
0: you prevent, again, how do you prevent it from happening? If the guy that's yeah. in charge of these things doesn't know and can, can be scared, how do you create the level of confidence for people to be like, okay, I'm in? How so, do you get the adaption? Yeah, so, so we don't need that. Like, what, what we need is people to learn how to
2: self-custody. So if you had taken your funds off of FTX and moved them to what we talked about earlier with cold storage or a hot wallet, they couldn't touch your funds and you wouldn't lose your money. So people have to have, like, look, we've been trading convenience for yeah. rights and uh-huh. freedom, for you know, ever since nine eleven, especially you know, you yep. definitely go back before that, but nine eleven with the Patriot Act was really where we started giving up our rights. And so, you know, when you look at the convenience that, like, let's say, the banking system offers you, like, everything's you know on on your account, and that if it's gone, you know, the FDIC insured, and that you know, all you gotta do is call them and say, hey, I really didn't spend this, and they'll you know they'll, they'll remove the transaction. It, it's taught people to be completely irresponsible with their money. Yeah. Complacency. Apathy. Yeah, but they like it. They want that convenience uh, of that. And so we've got to get Americans away from this idea of trading that convenience for, uh, you know, for for the rights. We're trading rights for convenience. So you look at FTX, you say, well, if people would have just taken the extra step to have learned the self-custody, we wouldn't be in the spot we're in. It's not about preventing centralized exchanges necessarily from being able to, to... be scams, it's about protecting yourself from it if it is a scam. If you were to have gone on FTX, b- bought a crypto, and then taken it off the site, you couldn't have been hurt. And that's what we've got to do in America is get back to like, let's be responsible for our own money. How about that? Like, This is stuff they don't teach you in, in school, you know? Like, yeah, I there's no financial education no. In-, in school. There's barely financial yeah. education in business school. I don't have an economics degree. I didn't know anything about money when I got into crypto. I accidentally got into it because of uh, that software that I had to buy. And, and I've learned so much about the way the world works. Like, my degree's in ministry leadership. You know, I was a youth pastor for a while. I did. Wow. I, I ran a nonprofit um, organization. It was a rehab for teenage boys. I did that for years. I was an uh, executive director there. Uh, that's right as I led into getting a full-time in crypto. That was the last thing that I did. And, you know, it's this kind of thing where it's like, guys, we got to start being responsible. Like, if you can just start
0: from that standpoint, it doesn't matter what your background well, look, is or your education. It doesn't even have to be financially. I right. mean, I think that's a lesson we could have True. for everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, and it's interesting. I mean, it, you, you know, it's sort of, you see that in the places, you know, where I was at the UFC with my father uh, yeah. two, three weeks ago or whatever, and the place goes crazy and the fighters are jumping over yeah. the cages after they win and like giving them a high five kind yeah. of thing. And it's like all those places where it's like, it's on you. Yeah. Like those guys all tend to be you know, conservative leaning because it is on them. They're not yeah. They're not falling to the team. They Absolutely. can't have an excuse, blame someone else. And yeah. I mean, I think that that independence, that self-assuredness, all of that is, is so interesting. I mean, I think, yes, it's not just yeah. in crypto or your financial responsibility. Like, hey, take some ownership yeah. of your your actions. Uh, we'd be better off if they did that across the board in every aspect of their lives.
2: Absolutely, when you look at the, the, the SEC, the way that they're trying to overregulate everything right now, which by the way, the SEC is going to fail to regulate crypto. Like. It, there's already been one case decided that said that the secondary market is not securities,
0: so they're not going to end up regulating crypto. It's, it's not going to happen, but well, well, but, okay, fine. That's what it's now. Yeah. But are they just going to let it go? And, and is that why there's, you know, so much volatility in the markets? Yeah. Well, n- no, they're not going to let it go. And yes, there, certainly a lot of the volatility comes
2: from the unsuredness of institutions to get into crypto right now because of all the stuff that, you know, the SEC is doing. But I would also argue, like, a lot of those institutions know what he's doing because they're paying him, so they can kind of see where things are going. Uh, They're trying to stall. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to to stall for time. So I I think when you look at everything they're trying to do with regulation, you know, it just makes me so angry. Like, we have a state bill, SJR 16, in California to change the accredited investor laws Mm -hmm. because, like, everyone needs to be able to access the same kinds of investments if you understand how to do it. We're trying to change it where it's a test instead of having to have a million dollars. Recently, they just came out and said, now they're thinking about changing the credit investor law to $10 million. And yeah,
0: it's like, that, that, that takes out literally 99.9% yeah. of the populace doesn't have you know, a net worth of $10 million to be able to check that yes. box- To be able to get into an investment.
2: The elites get to stay the elites. And like, that's great if you're an elite, but I came from nothing. You know, yeah. like, I'm glad I had the opportunity through crypto to be able to change my life. Like, I drive a Lamborghini, like, Never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that's something that I would have been doing. I was living paycheck to paycheck five years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's like, it provides this this wealth redistribution in a way that nothing else does. And that's what the SEC is trying to stop. They don't want you to make money. Yeah. The SEC's main goal is to make you feel like an idiot and that you aren't capable of running your own investments. You don't know what to do with your money. They have to tell you. That's the scam. And so when it comes to regulation, we need some type of regulation across the centralized exchanges. But overall, like what we hope is gonna happen is everything's gonna move to decentralized exchanges, yeah. uh, to where everything is done with automatic market makers and it's not, you're not having to custody your funds with someone else, you're able to do it all from your wallet and your money stays in your wallet It never touches somebody else.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so it's really like moving more towards decentralization, which is what Sam was trying to yeah. to prevent. It's what Gary is trying to, to prevent. Why? Because they just want the system to run the same way the broken system has continued to run. They just don't want to be the last one holding the potato uh, in a game of hot potato. What people have to understand is everything they're doing is for a point. We need regulation, but we need people to understand crypto making
0: the regulation. So yeah, how do you do that? Because I mean, I imagine that that plays into big into the adaption process. So, yeah. I mean, I think creating some confusion around that, not having sort of defined regulations on that creates a little bit of a, you know, a, a, an insurmountable obstacle for a lot of people to get in, because I mean, we, you know, how do you get the the adaption where you have a critical mass yeah. that all of a sudden, you know, gets rid of sort of the problems, right? You're you're big enough, you're too big to fail, right? Uh, m- much like you know the, the banking system that so was, you know, despite the craziness were bolstered and you knew they'd be backstop. You see them trying to do that now, you know, you know the big four banks are going to be backstop, but they, actually the good actors in some of your local and regional banks. They may not, and so you're actually forced to play with the bad actors because you know they're going to be taken care of by gambling with your money, and it's it's this vicious cycle of insanity. How do you get the you prevent that? How do you get the adoption? And you know when when will people be able to go to a grocery store and pay with Bitcoin? Well,
2: you can right now um, through certain you know I I use a crypto.com card, uh, which is I convert crypto over to dollars, like, you know, before I want to do a transaction, and then I can spend my crypto off the exchange um, with a card. Coinbase has a similar card. You can do it with USDC. Um, so there are ways you can spend Bitcoin right now. I, I think the big confusion is, like, people thinking you have to understand blockchain to use it. And I think it's just kind of a it's kind of a, um, a, a consequence of our internet culture where everything's public and it gets out there so fast. Yeah. To where things that are growing, like, look at AI, for instance. Like, we all kind of knew about AI, but now look where it's going so quickly. It's like, now people are able to see what's happening in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you this, uh, maybe you know, I, I don't know. Do, do you know what HTTP
0: stands for? Yeah, Hypertext Transfer Protocol? I don't know, I, th- I don't know. Yeah. I, I only remember sure. this because I had to do like a. Yeah. yeah Almost. Back, back in the day at Wharton, I think I, I, and that could be off by a, a yeah. word or two, but it, you know, it's something. Wow, like you that. really ruined my entire yeah. spiel there, Don. Appreciate uh, it. Yeah, but no, listen, I had to do that yeah. one time back in school. Did I get it? Yep. Uh, see, look, look, nailed it. Nailed it. All right, guys, I'm I'm done here. Thank you yeah. so much. Now no. I don't know what the hell it means. I just know what the acronym Nobody is. Does. You know Nobody does. Nobody does. I'm not gonna pretend I know what it means. I, I'll give you that win. But I, I know what the acronym is because I ended up do point. it 23 years ago when
2: I graduated college. I made a point not to know what it stands for because yeah. this is a big example I use all the time. Like that's every day when you go to a website, that's what you're using. You're using that protocol. Do you know how that protocol works? Do you know how it connects you to the internet? Do you know how it moves from website to website? Do do you know all of the different, you know, networks that are included in on that? No, you don't. Nobody does. But you're using it every single day. And so in blockchain, like, we're really striving for a day where everybody's going to be using it and not really knowing that you're using it. It's just, it's it's the underlying infrastructure of the apps that you use. You don't need to know exactly how it connects or how it works. And so, Unfortunately, with blockchain, like, it, it's so confusing to people, and you've got all these people making big investments, right? Like, big money is moving hands in crypto. You know, pound for pound, probably the most, you know, lucrative, you know, space in the history of the world. And when you look at it from that perspective, like, people are interested because of the money, and they're saying, when adoption, when adoption, when adoption. Adoption's a meme, right? Like, in the bull run, when Bitcoin's going up, everybody's like, adoption's here! You go in the bear market, and everybody's like, Oh, we'll never use it. It's a failure. It's like you just keep seeing the same cycle over and over and over again, and one day, we're going to get to a point where things are going to reach an equilibrium. I, I believe, look, when I first got into, into now, I got into crypto in 2012. 2017 is when I really, like, started dedicating my life to it, you know? Like, I was like, this is what I want to do. This fixes the system. I fell in love with the idea of decentralization and, and things like that. Like, you know, looking back in on, on those earlier days, like, you know, I would have told you in 2017, Oh, adoption less than five years away. Definitely. Definitely less than five years away. It's one of those things where the longer you're in it and the more you learn about it, yeah. the further off you realize it is. Yeah. Like, so if you ask me today, I think it's maybe 10, 15 years, yeah. maybe 20 before we have full-blown adoption in crypto where all of these protocols are being used, decentralized applications are built on top of those networks, uh, and, and that people are using it on a daily basis and interacting with the blockchain without even knowing they're interacting with the blockchain. I think that's where we have to move to because right now, like, a lot of our decentralized applications are just, they're, they're blah, Like, they're just not good. Like, and is that what you're trying to achieve? Yeah, over time, that's what I'm that's what yeah. i all about is is adopting this new technology because it's, in my opinion, is the only way we're going to save America. I, I really believe that. I think that we've got to get off of this fiat system where you just print money at will because when we talked earlier about yeah. the, the dollar losing... The world reserve currency status—that's terrifying. That's that's Armageddon in America. It, when that happens, Be, or uh, it's almost win, right? And yeah, like when, It's like <laughs> that yeah. actually feels like it's a lot yeah. closer than ten to fifteen yeah. years. because it's going on right now. Maybe, maybe if your dad comes back in and wins, maybe yeah. he can you know put his foot down on some stuff and, and maybe get tough with some of these BRICS nations, which you know uh, Joe Biden, you know, yeah. he's not yeah. ever been tough with anybody <laughs> in his life, um, yeah. other than Twitter we're talking about Hunter Biden. But I think that. Uh, You know, it's one of these things where, um, you know, the adoption curve is going to be, you know, very dramatic when it happens, but we're a a long ways away from it happening now. And I think that, um, uh, you know, this is something that hopefully we can use to prevent us losing the world reserve currency. Because if that happens, the main reason we're protected in America is because of that reserve currency. Mm -hmm. When that's gone, all of a sudden, we're susceptible to hyperinflation.
0: Oh, I mean, it's yeah, yeah, well, yeah, hey, uh, we're going to call our $33 trillion. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, you think FTX was a collapse. Uh, exactly. Th- th- that's,
2: but we're, we're yeah. protected right now because the other countries in the world, they have to have dollars. And so they're all motivated to keep us from going into that hyperinflation. Yeah. But when we lose that, yeah. like, now all of a sudden you're looking at, what do we do now? And when you look at, like, uh, Germany in the 1920s, you know, after World War One, uh, when you when people were, you know, wheelbarrows of cash, Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe. You look yeah. at Venezuela, where you know they make trinkets in the street with their currency. They, they will make you a purse out of their. Because that's
0: worth more than the currency. Yeah. Exactly,
2: because it's absolutely worthless. We think that could never happen in America. You're right. It could never happen in America as long as we have the world reserve currency. But once we lose that, you see these BRICS nations, you know, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa starting to move away from the dollar into the digital yuan, it's very scary. And I, I do think that the digital dollar will come eventually and it will kind of be used to pump up demand across the world to keep the Ponzi scheme going a little bit longer with the way we print money. But it's just, the system is broken and it's got to be fixed and i believe that crypto and blockchain are, is the only way that we can start holding people accountable there's this idea that you know there's so much fraudulent activity in crypto and you know oh uh, you know elizabeth warren's always saying like all the criminals are using it and there's 0.1 of all blockchain yeah. transactions are, are well are but they it.
0: use that you know like you said to silk road that whole concept they tried yes like early on like before i even knew much of it, it was like they're trying to make it it's a pedophile ring it's yeah, a drug 100%. trafficking ring it's all yeah. this and so you know but yeah, you know, I guess what I've learned over the last few years is, like, the second, like, the big government people are going after it, there's probably there's probably uh, an, an understory uh-huh. that they're not telling you, and there's a reason for it. And that's why, you know, it, it's fascinating, but it's, it's cool to see how early we are on the curve, because I feel like, yeah. you know, someone who's missed it, but it doesn't feel like we've actually missed it. Yeah, and I, I think, like, it, it's so amazing when I talk to
2: people about crypto, because, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, I can't get my family in crypto, or I can't talk to my buddy. My entire family's in crypto, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, super thrilled about that. I've got a very open-minded family, I guess. Uh, smart, you know, intuitive, thinking about the future kind of family where not everybody's necessarily like that. But it's like, for me, it's easy to talk to people to get into crypto. I didn't sit across from anybody. And by the time I'm done talking with them, they say, oh, I get it now. Like yeah. the, and that's what my book is all about. It's like everything's a mystery in crypto, but it's not really a mystery. The no. truth is right in front of you the entire time. Like when you look at all the people losing money with crypto, and uh, not necessarily from, like, the lack of having yeah. the private keys, but just with the market, it works in a four-year cycle. Bitcoin has worked in a four-year cycle ever since the very beginning. You get one massive run-up for one year, you get one gigantic dump for one year, and then you get two years of the market building up, yeah. you know, stably. And when people are saying it's a scam, that's the time to get in, right? Yeah. When when FTX was collapsing and it went down to 15000 which, Ironically, we had said all year last year, the bottom of the market was going to be in November. We didn't know what was going to cause it. But it's because that four-year cycle works so exact. Like, we could forecast when we should see a bottom. We called, uh, you know, the top of the market. We said uh, for years, top of the market would be in between Halloween and Thanksgiving and 2021. And exactly. Like, November, uh, you know, 22nd, I think, was when we saw, uh, you know, or no, November 12th, I believe, was when we saw the top of Bitcoin. Um, And, you know, it's just amazing to see how mapped out this thing is and people will just follow it and understand it. What I'm trying to tell you is, number one, we have the system that's broken that's got to be fixed and it plugs a lot of the system. But a lot of the mystery surrounding the the movements of crypto, it's not really a mystery. It's when you understand why that four-year cycle works, it's because every four years, the production of Bitcoin gets cut literally in half. Mm -hmm. It's supply and demand built into the code of Bitcoin that makes it so powerful. And every four years, everybody's like, well, you know, it's not going to work this time. You know, this time we're going to see something go totally this different. This time it'll be different. We've this heard be a different. Lot. I've been crushing that this time will be different narrative for years, and we just continue to be right. And you know, the people who want to reinvent the wheel and try to figure out like I want to be the person that called the time that was going to be different. Yeah. You just keep losing, yeah. um, and so I, I think that for people really understand, like there's not as big of a mystery to Bitcoin as you think there is. It's it's not
0: about it's choreographed when the right time to get in. Well, so tell them how they can find your book. Yeah. So we can learn about it. Sure. Uh, where, where can our audience find you? Because again, I think I have a feeling as, as more, especially emerges from FTX and the regulation, yeah. we'll have to have you back on to talk oh, about sure. all that. But tell them where they can figure it out so they can get that primer and they can start looking at it. Yeah, well, you can find me... Uh
2: I'm very easy to find on the internet. If you just search BitBoy Crypto, you'll find me on any platform. Uh, But my book is available on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. Uh, Catching Up to Crypto is the name of the book. I just recorded the audiobook, so that's going to be coming out uh, here, hopefully, in the next four to six weeks. So if you're more of an audiobook person, look, I don't read that much. I read tweets. I read 140 characters.
0: Um, (laughs) That's that's me these days. uh,
2: 100%. You know, if you're like, what's the best book you ever read? Well, does a Twitter thread count, you know? So, uh, you know, that, that's where you can find the book uh, is on all those different platforms. Audiobook will be coming out soon. We've got a workbook coming out. We also have, I was very involved. I went down to the Bahamas, tried to track down Sam. Uh, I got some very interesting text messages from him while I was down in the Bahamas um, uh, that uh, he asked me what I would do if I was the CEO of FTX, which is a crazy question to ask. Mm. Um, but the, the whole thing is our next book is actually going to be called Catching Up to FTX. Uh, lessons
0: Learned During My Crusade Against Fraud, Corruption, and Bad Hair. Awesome, man. yeah. Well, guys, go check out Ben Armstrong. Ben, thanks so much for doing this. Appreciate it. Thank you. Guys, thanks so much. Ben, that was awesome. Guys, go check out Ben Armstrong. Make sure to check out his book. Uh, Follow him on social. Uh, Definitely a trend that's here to stay. I think the government's going to try to do whatever they can to prevent the outside crypto guys from doing it so that they can control it and learn everything about you. I think... We probably want to avoid that and follow the guys like Ben uh, and whether it's the exchanges or the actual currencies, start looking at it. Check it out. Uh, Again, I want to thank our sponsors, Patriot Mobile. uh, Great people. Share your values. Support what you believe in. Uh, You know, again, you're going to have a cell phone in your pocket at all times, guys. Give your plan. Give your dollars to companies that share your values, companies like Patriot Mobile who give back, okay? They give back to the causes that we believe in, protecting the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the right to life, uh, our first responders, uh, the great men and women of law enforcement, etc. You're going to have a phone in your pocket. You might as well do it and have it. With a company that shares what you believe in rather than those guys who hate your guts. Remember AT&T wanted to get rid of uh, OAN. They tried getting rid of Newsmax uh, through DirecTV and the, the the parent companies and all that craziness that was going on. That's basically it. Like, you could give it to them and watch them continue to attack what you believe in. Or you can go to PatriotMobile.com slash Don Jr. And, uh, you know support people who care about what you believe in. Also, don't forget to check out the guys at Gold Co. Another, whether it's crypto, whether it's gold, like, diversify yourselves from the insanity that's going on. We're watching it. The bank collapses. We're watching stupid decisions. We're watching Joe Biden use his first executive order to, to veto, uh, <laughs> people who didn't want to make ESG and woke nonsense and like that DEI be a part of your retirement savings. It doesn't have to be the best investment. As long as it's woke, that's wonderful for you. Even if you lose all your money, what could possibly go wrong, right? So guys, go check out the folks at Gold Co. Go to DonJuniorGold.com. Learn about it. Again, bank collapses, inflation, fuel prices going high, interest rates are through the roof. Like, it's not looking good. I just want to make sure you're protected. You don't have to do anything, but go and learn. Read about it. They'll help you out. They'll take you through it. So go to DonJuniorGold.com. Learn about it. I think you'll like them. Do what you want. But again, I just want you to be prepared. So check it out. That's donjrgold.com. You guys are the best. I appreciate you, and we will see you soon.